Good morning, ACB. It's Thursday, July 9th, 2020, and welcome back to the ACB 59th Annual Conference and Convention. In our first ever virtual convention, ACB, a pathway to the future, a path to the future. What an exciting day we had yesterday. I uh, First, I have to give a shout out to Cindy Hollis and her community chat call last night, which was going strong about 11.30 when I went to bed. It's just inspiring to hear all the new voices inside of ACB. So shout out to Lucy and Allie and Jamaica and uh, Nat and just so much, so, so, so many more people who uh, are really enjoying their first ever ACB conference and convention. It's just exciting to hear and feel the energy. I also wanted to just say a big thank you to the Information Access Committee and the wonderful Smart Homes presentation last night. Uh, uh, Information Access Committee, you just guys did an outstanding job. Uh, Leslie and I realized this, this morning after listening to that wonderful presentation our home, I don't think, has made it to smart home level. In fact, we may be uh, in a little bit of remediation just to get back to uh, reading grade level. But it, uh, it was just uh, amazing to see all the opportunity and possibilities out there. So again, to, to Jeff and, and Judy and team, Brian, everybody, thank you. Really well done. And I wanted to remind everybody that tonight, uh, our primetime show will be uh, Advocacy Boot Camp with uh, Clark Rackfall and Claire Stanley. So look forward to our advocacy director and our advocacy specialist and their team uh, really talking through all the advocacy issues that are affecting our blind and visually impaired community right now. I know they're going to do an outstanding job, so don't miss that at 7.30 tonight on ACB Main Street. I also want to just give a huge shout out to all the folks that are pledging and making their donations for the monthly monetary support program, MMS, people are just doing an absolutely fantastic job. I know you're the one that can put us over the top. We just need another few uh, donors out there. So if you've got it in your heart and, and in, your, uh, in your bank account to help ACB with a little, uh, little treasure, we'd really appreciate it. Again, in order to get in touch with those folks with the Monthly Monetary Support Program, you can email them at askacbmms at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-A-C-B-M-M-S at gmail.com. Or you can call them at 202-743-0755. That's 202-743-0755. 0755. And I talked to George Holiday last night. He's anxiously awaiting to hear from you. So uh, please get in touch with George and let's reach our goal. Thank you all so much. All right. Now I would like to introduce to you for our uh, invocation, Eric Rippentrop. Eric is from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Welcome, Eric. Good morning, everybody from a rainy Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Like Dan said, my name is Eric Rippentrop, and I am with the South Dakota Association of the Blind. I'm just glad that all of you are attending today, and all the information that you have picked up, I just pray and hope that 
you will continue to and bring to the people that you know and love. If you don't mind, will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning's invocation? Heavenly Father, we come to you not knowing all the pains of everyone else, but Father, you do. I pray that you pour your blessing hands upon all of those listening, all of those presenting, so that knowledge and healing can occur, Lord. I also pray for every person presenting that they speak the truth and the necessity into people's ears. Lord, as you know, all the healing that needs to occur, we do not. But I take this time that you pour your blessing down upon all the ears listening today and all the mouths speaking today, that we may come into a world with peace and love and knowledge. Lord, we ask all these in your name and all God's children said, amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. Amen. Thank you, Eric, for those inspirational words. And I just want to say to Eric, to Connie Sims, to all the folks out there, South Dakota is representing. We've got the Mount Rushmore tour. Thank you all for everything you're doing there in the heartland. We appreciate it. Uh, Next, we are going to hear from David Dowland from Tulsa, Oklahoma. David is an officer in our Visually Impaired Veterans of America affiliate, and we'll now have David lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, David. And I want to take just a moment and say, veterans, ACB veterans, I know you're out there. I've talked to you. I know you folks. You, we need your help. David needs your help. The Visually Impaired Veterans of America affiliate needs your help. Please think about joining this wonderful affiliate. If you've served in any of our military services, we would love to hear and, and get, to, get to know you better. So please think about joining Viva. Or even better yet, if you'd just like to know how to get more involved, contact Cindy Hollis at C-H-O-L-L-I-S at acb.org. That's C-H-O-L-L-I-S at acb.org. And Cindy would love to hear from you. I know she'd love to put a community chat together for our veterans. And Thank you for all the service that you do over this July 4th weekend for our country. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Next, we are going to hear our corporate sponsor uh, presentations from Marjorie Beeman, convention sponsor coordinator from Austin, Texas. Thank you, Marjorie. Thanks, Mr. President. Good morning to all. Thanks to all our sponsors as follows. Diamond Sponsors, 25,000. Microsoft, Virtual ACB Educational Recreational Tours. Google, ACB Conference Banquet. J.P. Morgan Chase, Conference Communication Center. Banda Pharmaceutical, Convention Announcement. Emerald Sponsors, 15,000. Charter Communications, ACB Radio Afternoon Broadcast. Visparo, Virtual Information Technology Help Desk. Comcast, Virtual Information Desk. Ruby Sponsors, 10,000. 
AT&T, ACB Auction, Facebook, ACB Scholarship Mentoring Program, Regal Foundation, ACB Link, Health and Wellness, and ACB Walk, Adobe Continuing Education Credit, Archon Conference Registration, Amazon Audio Description Project, Verizon Media Performing Arts Showcase, Verizon Membership Monday and Transportation, Sprint Accessibility and Sprint Vision, T-Mobile, ACB Podcast through December 2020. Onyx sponsor, 5,000. National Industries for the Blind, NIB, Advocacy and Employment. Democracy Live, Incorporated. ACB Governance Policy and Constitution and Informational Access. IRA, Video Presentation Consulting. Humanware, Convention Connect Sponsor. Macro Degeneration, ACB Walk. And be my eyes. Topaz sponsor, 3000. Track phone, wireless incorporated, official sponsor of all general sessions. Buell fund, recreation zone, and ACB walk. Pearl sponsors, $1,000. Library users of America, Lua, talking book narrator. American logistics, affiliate president's seminar. Laney Feingold and Linda Dadarian, audio description of 4th of July fireworks. Thanks to all of our sponsors. You have helped make our ACB virtual conference and convention a success. Thank you so much, Marjorin, and thank you to all our corporate sponsors for all they've done valued partners for us throughout this virtual convention. I'd like to make a special note that tomorrow you're going to see all the individual sponsors listed in your daily digital newspaper. So be on the lookout for the July 10th, Friday, July 10th edition of the Digital Daily will list not only the corporate sponsors, but all our individual sponsors for the convention, whether they be topaz, platinum, gold, silver, or bronze, you'll all be listed there. And then at general session tomorrow, we are going to do our best to read all the individual sponsors one more time. You all are so important to our organization, and we really, really, really appreciate all you've done to support this wonderful virtual convention. Next, I'm honored to have with us today a special Diamond sponsor, sponsor guest, and that is Vispiro. Vispiro um, is just a treasured partner with the American Council of the Blind, and we are so fortunate today to have Tom Tiernan, President and CEO of Vispiro from Clearwater, Florida. Shout out from my own home state. Good to hear from you, Tom. Welcome. Thank you, Dan, and uh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be here, and, and thank you uh, to ACB for inviting the Sparrow to present at your annual uh, convention. Um, I'm uh, Tom Tiernan and uh, the CEO of the Sparrow, and you uh, may or may not have heard of the Sparrow directly. Uh, you would know through us uh, through any of our assistive technology and digital content accessibility brands. And those brands would be Freedom Scientific, Optilec, Enhanced Vision, or the Passiello Group, um, or even more 
likely you've probably heard about us through the actual products uh, that we offer. Um, and those would be product, software products like JAWS or, or ZoomText, uh, Braille products like, like Focus, or various kinds of um, low vision uh, magnification products like Ruby or Clearview or Merlin or, or Pebble. Um, and we would very much uh, uh, like to thank ACB uh, for continuing the fight on behalf uh, of the blind. Uh, we see our relationship uh, to ACB as a, as a valued partner and seek the feedback of, of ACB and its members on how we, the Sparrow, can create the right products and services to meet the needs of the blind. So what's uh, Vespero been up to uh, recently? Well, uh, as I'm sure with many of you, many th- uh, things have changed with uh, uh, Vespero over the recent past. Uh, the last time we actually saw any customers in person was during the CSUN event, uh, the CSUN conference in Anaheim, California. That was March uh, 11th through the 13th. I can tell you it was a surreal time. Um, COVID-19 hit um, right around that time, and we've been uh, largely sheltering in place uh, ever since. Um, But at the same time, being as resourceful and creative as we possibly can to meet the needs of our customers and our partners uh, around the world. Um, During the CSUN conference, uh, we debuted several new innovative products in the low vision uh, foldable uh, product category. So think of uh, low vision foldables uh, as essentially a video magnifier, um, but the size of a laptop, uh, very portable. Um, And we have introduced uh, those foldable products uh, several different sizes across all three of our and specific and enhanced vision. It was also the first time we showed the compact pen uh, from Optelec, a new 10-inch handheld magnifier with full-page OCR capability and speech. Uh, since the CSUN event, uh, we've been dealing with the changing landscape of virtual environments, and this has included helping uh, customers who need to work from home or, or go to school uh, from home. Um, and the company uh, quickly recognized the challenges our customers were going uh, to have when it came to uh, getting access to their software uh, quickly in those virtual environments. And we wanted to make sure that the blind and low vision had equal access once they moved to a virtual work or school program. Uh, to address this uh, challenge, we offered uh, the home editions of our accessibility uh, software products, JAWS, ZoomText, and Fusion, for free in the United States uh, through the end of June. Um, and more, most recently, we've extended that offer uh, through the end of August as uh, COVID-19 uh, continues to, to play out uh, across the U.S., uh, three weeks ago, uh, we also announced that we were offering a 20% discount on all of our software and hardware uh, through the end of July. Um, a web page has been set up for ACB members showing uh, both our schedule for this uh, convention as well as methods for getting the free software or for purchasing new upgrades uh, to your existing software. And that website is www 
thesparrow.com slash events slash ACB 2020. Uh, and the sparrow is spelled V-I-S-P-E-R-O. So again, www.thesparrow.com slash events slash ACB 2020. Uh, over this past quarter, um, the company also released uh, our L Braille uh, product, which think of that as a Windows 10 note taker with a Focus 40 uh, Braille display. And this product, we think, is especially important for K-12 through students who can, right from the get-go, start off with a Windows device and skip uh, making the transition from a classic uh, Braille note-taker uh, to a Windows environment later on uh, during their educational journey. Uh, one of the key investments uh, the company has uh, been making is in our training department, uh, who have been hard at work uh, at creating new webinars and training materials. And you can now listen to our training content on any device. Yes, that is any device, including Echo, Google, uh, Google Home, Apple phones, and, and many other ways. Just ask your device to play Freedom Scientific Training Podcasts. Again, Freedom Scientific Training Podcasts. You can either ask the device to play the podcast or set your phone's podcast catcher to play the episodes. Um, you spoke and we listened. It is critical to allow our customers to listen and learn through their preferred uh, technology. We will be adding content each week, so try it out. Uh, I also want to let you know about our blog and YouTube channels. You can find the blog at blog.freedomscientific.com. You can sign up to receive the blog in your email. Uh, you can also find content for each of our products and brands on YouTube. Uh, search for the Sparrow, Freedom Scientific Training, and any other brands like Enhanced Vision, Optelec, and the Patiello Group. I'd like to close out by thanking all of you for continuing the fight uh, for the blind. It is critical for you to continue to demand and push for accessibility. Um, our company stands uh, shoulder to shoulder uh, with you in that mission. Uh, that includes, by the way, uh, keeping the pressure on Vespero to continually innovate and introduce products and services that help you enjoy your life at home, at work, at school. Uh, that is our passion. That's our mission. And we have every intention to continue to do so. So thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the convention. And thank you again uh, for the invitation uh, to speak with you today. Tom, thank you so much. You are such a valued partner with the American Council of Blind. And I have to give a big shout out to Matt Aders and just the great work he's done being a member of our advisory board. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, being comfortable with Matt serving in that role, it's, he's really brought a lot of insight and made a big difference to us. So thank you. Thank you, Dan. And Matt's a, that's a fantastic and awesome person. He, he is. And a huge Washington National fan, by I the know. way, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, being, uh, being from Florida, I want to say it's, it's great to have you locally. Uh, you know, we have a very active chapter in Pinellas County with uh, Eugene Backey and, you know, Florida Council of Blind would love to come over and just visit and maybe see you guys sometime. Oh, and we'd, love to, we'd love to host you. Sure. Yeah. 
And if you don't mind, just a question or two. How with the Pascalo Group? How are things going in corporate America? What are you sensing with uh, you know with COVID nineteen? Are you seeing? Are is employment hanging in there? What what kind of challenges are you all observing from your end? Well, the uh, I'm sure as everybody hears on on the news, uh, you know, corporate America is struggling. Um, of course, that's it's very much dependent on what kind of business you're in. Um, and so we have some customers that are that are going like gangbusters, and others, um, you know, that are that are definitely um, working through this situation, taking it day by day. Um, I would say, for, for those of you who don't uh, know about the Pasiella Group, what they do is they work with enterprises and uh, institutions around the world, governments around the world, to help those um, entities. Uh, comply to the standards of the accessibility standards that exist around the world to make digital content accessible through the assistive technology devices that, uh, that people use. And so, um, we, you know, we think of our corporate clients as like big banks or retailers or, um, you know, tra- travel industry, those kind of, uh, 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 more consumer uh, facing organizations. And so, you know, everybody uh, wants to see this pass as, as quickly as, as we can uh, get through it. And at the same time, everybody wants to do the right thing. And I know that's what the Sparrow's doing in terms of, um, you know, working with its uh, staff, uh, working with its customers to to be safe and to, to look the long run. Um, you know, this will pass and we'll get through it. And we'll have the same mission as we've always had, which is which is serving the constituency on on this phone, this uh, convention, and during this phone call. Well, thank you, and I, I've got I, I got to also highlight the work you're doing as a good corporate citizen with providing uh, the jaws to to students. So, have many students taken you up on that? That is just exciting. Uh, absolutely, yeah. We we've uh, measured in the thousands. Yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> we, oh. Wow. And, and think of all those those students that are going to just get their first exposure to JAWS and, and, and the advantages that that will bring to them. I mean, I think it, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's great. It's great yeah. to allow people to, to fulfill, you know, their educational dreams while they're at home in this virtual environment. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is something that was somewhat new for Vespero, uh, actually started a couple of years ago where, you know, it used to be if, if you wanted to buy, uh, JAWS or any of our other software products that, um, you know, we, we priced them and sold them in, uh, to the corporations themselves or the educational institutions themselves. And, and, um, a few years ago, we, uh, thought, you know, we need to, very much broaden the accessibility of our own products to uh, different individuals, and that's where our home licenses uh, came from at a at a sub hundred dollar annual price point, and and that's been a very successful program. So I'm really actually quite pleased with with our our teams at at Vispero for um, making the software uh, available uh, to the home user, to students or anybody else um, on an annual basis. Um, and that's fundamentally what enabled us to, to move quickly uh, to, to uh, make this offer that, that we've now uh, made during this, uh, this pandemic. 
Well, and again, thank you. On behalf of parents of blind and visually impaired students, it has made a huge difference. And our community thanks you. And Tom, we thank you for being here today and spending some of your, I know, very busy schedule in these times. So thank you again, sir. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Dan. And thank you, Eric. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, next, um, we we were hoping to hear from Vanda Pharmaceuticals and their nurse educator, Leslie McNeil from Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, it's early in Arizona, and I can't blame uh, Leslie, so we haven't been able to connect with her this morning, so maybe we'll hopefully be able to get her on uh, the uh, general session tomorrow on Friday. But for all of you who not, maybe are not aware of Vanda Pharmaceuticals, they have been a just treasured sponsor and partner with the American Council of the Blind Oh, for now, at least, I think, coming up on 10 years. So each year, Vanda sponsors our convention. They sponsor our ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. They sponsor our DC Leadership Conference. And their really focus is on providing a, a solution for those who have a condition called non-24, which is where people have hard times sleeping in the evening. And I think I, I might be a candidate for this. It, I'm not sure if it's non-24 or the convention that's keeping me awake at night, but I know sleep is not coming easy to me uh, uh, these last few days. So hopefully, I don't want to get into too many details and still Leslie's thunder, but we will try to get Leslie back on tomorrow. And I just want to say a big shout out and thank you to Vanda Pharmaceuticals for all they do as a treasured partner of the American Council of the Blind. Next, we have an opportunity to hear from two more of our ACB Angels through our ACB Angels tribute. This has just been exciting to hear all 10 of our angel testimonials this week. And now I would like to introduce Anthony Corona, ACB intern in communications to introduce our ACB Angel Tributes for today. Thank you, Anthony. Hello, convention goers. It's me, Anthony Corona. I am here again with Sandra Sermon, and she's going to tell us a little bit about another one of our angels. Sandra, take it away. Hello out there in convention land. It is me again. Um, So I would like to share just a little bit about Mr. James Pico. Uh, James, the late James Pico, is um, was married to Freddie Pico. Freddie is the current president of the District of Columbia Council of the Blind. Um, one thing about James was comfortable in his own skin, right? So as a result, no matter where he went or whom he encountered, he was starting from the standpoint of being comfortable with himself. Therefore, he could meet you where you were. You know, it didn't matter. Um, blind or sighted, African American, Caucasian, no matter. Still, he he just he had such a kind and secure spirit within himself. Um, what strikes me about James is that, you know, sometimes sighted people. Um, when there's a couple of blind people and, and one sighted person or a bunch of sighted pe- people, they're okay. 
you know. But when the balance shifts, so you have majority blind, um, difficult for some, for some sighted people. You know, a couple of, of us are okay, but you shift the balance to where we're in the majority. Um, that, that can be unnerving for some sighted folks. James was never like that. He was as comfortable with folks who are blind or have visual impairments or, or as he was with sighted people. Um, it, it didn't matter, you know. Um, he, he was just as jolly and had the same sense of humor no matter who you were. Um, if, if he, you know, you were a good person, he uh, determined within himself that you were a good person, then he accepted you for who you were. But he, he really also served uh, DCCB very well, too, because he was our treasurer for decades, you know, and he took being a treasurer very seriously. I, I'm a member of lots of organizations and never in my lifetime has anyone taken being a treasurer as seriously as James Pico. OK, um, everything fiscally was managed. Um, ACB, when we had to turn in the membership rosters and we had these long printed out sheets and, you know, he would literally go to the national office, hand deliver it to Sharon. OK, he was not one for mailing. He wasn't going to wait till the last minute. If, if it was due on March 1st, then he made sure that it was in the hands of ACB on February 15th. Um, he, he did not, you know, believe in waiting till the last minute. So he would hand deliver to Sharon every year, maybe March 1st or whatever, come February 15th, she had it. Um, even uh, when it came to like stipends and subsidies, you know, he, he would have the checkbook with him. So if it was for a legislative seminar or, or a convention, um, he would actually, okay, here's your stipend. Here's your, you know, he, he was very, he was always on point, um, a very good person, a very good fiscal manager, a wonderful man, a wonderful God-fearing um, individual, African-American, husband, father, leader, all of those things, all of those roles. Um, he, he played and he, he did well. He did extremely well. Um, and I know that, you know, he's in a better place and, and God is, is very happy to have him. But we miss him tremendously because he is like none other. Um, just, just his moral fiber, his character um, is really second to none. Hello, convention goers. It's Anthony Corona. I'm back with Sandra Sermons, who's going to tell us a little bit about another one of our angels. Sandra, take it away. Oh, thank you, Anthony. Good afternoon, everybody out there in convention land. Um, <laughs> I, I, as much as I like to talk, um, I don't necessarily like to pub do any kind of public speaking. But for Marilyn, I'm going to set that aside. Um, Marilyn Letter. Well, she was a, a pioneer, really. Um, graduated from overbook school for the blind, um, went off to college uh, and received a master's degree, ended up being a social worker by profession. Um, but all throughout her life, 
there are several things that stand out to me. Number one, her love of of Braille. Um, she had some pretty good useful vision, but she would seamlessly transition. She had no problems. You know, some days she would pull, pull out her magnifier. The other day she'd pull out her Braille. And she was as proficient at reading large print as she was at reading Braille. She um, also was an excellent cane traveler. So, you know, if she wasn't having a good eye day or what have you, she had no problems, you know, whipping out her cane and and going wherever it is she needed to go. Um, So that was one of the things that I always admired about her. She, She had some pretty good vision, yet she was a huge proponent of Braille. Um, Throughout her lifetime, she was Braille, 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 and more Braille. Um, She did marry Rudy Lutter, uh, who was a professor at Howard University, and Marilyn worked at the Washington Hospital Center, as I said, as a social worker. Um, And basically, um, she was one of these people who Okay, she might be 80, but going on 40. Always had such huge energy, such a huge spirit. Relatively small woman, but had a very, very huge presence about herself. Um, you know, and she was ACB stalwart, um, was devoted to ACB for, for decades. Um, really felt the cause and and lived it and um, throughout her lifetime, uh, always served as president of the D.C. affiliate for quite a while. And um, unfortunately, uh, the way that we knew her health was starting to deteriorate is she didn't show up to a meeting. Marilyn never missed a meeting. I mean, never, never. Um, And when she missed a meeting and another time she she came late to a meeting. Um, that's when we collectively knew that her health, unfortunately, was taking a downswing. But what I hope that we memorialize is just how devoted she was. She was devoted as a social worker, was devoted, she was devoted to Braille, devoted to cane travel and just demonstrating that it is more than okay to be blind with it. Wow. Thank you. So can I ask you to give us one personal memory of Marilyn that encompasses all that you remember, think of her, all you feel about her? Um, okay. So um, District of Columbia Council of the Blind is actually older than American Council of the Blind because DCCB was founded in 1913 as part of the Associated Association of Workers for the Blind. So District of Columbia Association of Workers for the Blind, DCAWB, was what initially our organization was called. Eventually, we shortened it to DCCB. But on our 100th anniversary, it was back in um, 2013, we had the convention and, you know, it was really... and she said at our next meeting, she said, we had a hundred people. We actually only had about 30, but she was just so overwhelmed with the huge spirit and the amount of the outpouring of love and support for 
BCCB and for our hundredth um, anniversary because uh, we had Mitch who called in. Um, I think he was still president at the time, um, but either way, he called in. Um, Kim sent greetings on an MP3, and Paul Edwards. Uh, appeared in person to wish us a happy anniversary and you could not convince her that there weren't a hundred people in the room and she she just she was so overwhelmed and so very happy and not just happy but content it was as if you know okay her work here is done because we were able to um have a celebration um celebrating a hundred years and knowing that our predecessors, including Janice Peterson Kent, looking down on us at the time, were proud, were happy that we had done the organization justice. And and to her, you know, knowing that she was an integral part of it was moving beyond belief. That is what I remember most about her, that, that she just... I mean, it, it was as if she had won the lotto or $50 million or, you know, um, just that happy and content with the way that our anniversary um, ended up turning out. And and that was, very, it's very hard to put that into words, but so I hope that I'm doing it justice. It was so very moving and so very touching. So right now, I hope that she came down on me from heaven and in is agreeing and approving of how I'm I'm communicating. I'm sure she is. Thank you so much, Sandra. And we look forward to all of the programming that you're involved in here at convention. Thank you for speaking about Marilyn. Absolutely. Thank you, Sandra, for those wonderful remembrances of two amazing leaders inside of the DC Council of the Blind affiliate. And it's always just so heartwarming to hear the wonderful stories and the people that have worked so hard to transform our organization and take it to where it is today. And I, I just am, I'm left in awe of, of all those who have accomplished so much before us. And it's an honor to have them on our new ACB, as new members of our ACB Angels Wall. Now, I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce our presiding officer of the day, our ACB treasurer, David Trott from Talladega, Alabama. Good morning, David. Good morning, Dan, and good morning, ACB. You know, as I thought about what I would say this morning, I want you to know it is an exciting and challenging time to be in ACB. We are truly blessed. We're giving our membership more communication and more involvement than ever before. So if anything good came from COVID-19, we are strong. Yes, there are challenges, but we will overcome those challenges because we are ACB strong. And from our speakers today, you will know that not only are we working to overcome any challenges, but we're also giving young people the chance to have their dreams by providing scholarships. And you're going to hear about some innovations. So we got a great day lined up, and we're glad to have you with us today. We're running just a little bit on schedule, which is good. You know how I am about time. But today, uh, our first speaker I'll introduce to you in just a minute. But we're going to have probably a little time to take questions. So if you have questions, 
for our development director. You email those questions to questions, that is with an S, at acb.org. And in the subject line, put develop so that uh, Janet and team knows what, uh, what, what speaker you want to ask the questions to. So, you know, we, we really worked hard this year to overcome any struggles of a lack of funding and that kind of thing. And we're moving in that direction. And we're moving in that direction greatly because of you. The work you've done this week, uh, I won't get into the fundraisers and steal their thunder, but I'm telling you, ACB members, y'all came up to the plate in a style that we never dreamed would happen. And I am so thankful to be a part of an organization that believes in itself so strongly that you would do in this challenging time the work that you've done this week. Thank you so much. At this time, we had a gentleman come on in March. And we had, we had a good contract person, and, and I want to give a shout-out to my buddy Tom Tobin. Tom did a great job for ACB, but we needed to move into full-time development. And uh, so we moved forward, and we hired a guy that most of you know, a guy by the name of Tony Stevens. Tony came on board running. Uh, he brought us the Paycheck Protection Program information, uh, some expertise to go along with that. Not only that, when we started working on virtual uh, convention, his, his great voice, radio voice, man, I mean, it's just amazing to hear this guy talk. And just all the other skill sets, you know, with his legislative work, he just has so much to offer. So y'all join me in a big virtual applause as we welcome our development of director, Mr. Tony Stevens. Thank you so much, David. Good morning, everyone listening in via our live studio audience and Zoom, as well as everybody listening in on ACB Radio Mainstream and also on Facebook Live where we're streaming right now. Uh, David, as always, your words are too kind and I very much appreciate it. You know, over the next few minutes, I'd love to share with you all uh, a bit of the direction that we're looking to take in terms of development, but also offer you a sense of perspective into where we are right now at this very moment in time. There is no doubt in anybody's mind, particularly those of us who have been laboring countless hours behind the scene to make this convention a, a success and a reality, that we are in historic times. The world around us is changing and it's changing rapidly. And at times, I think many of us are sitting at home and even though we may feel like we're isolated and sheltered, we feel like we're hanging on the tail of a 787 going 700 miles an hour. Wondering where are we going to be in a, in, a, in, a, in a month, in a year, in five years. And, and the question amongst every nonprofit in the world, not just, not just the 1.5 million nonprofits in the United States, but in the world, is what is it going to look like on the other side? So what I'd like to do with you this morning is share a little bit about, again, where our direction is headed, particularly where it was looking to head as we entered into the coronavirus and the, and the COVID-19 pandemic, and then moving ourselves into where are we still focused on and where are we still headed? Because it actually hasn't changed that much, which has, been, which has been remarkable. And then I also want to focus on, in a sense, where are we right now? How are we today? We're flying 700 miles an hour at 36,000 feet. How, how, how good are we as, as a machine, as an American Council of the Blind? Because I know for many of you that are donors out there and contributors, it's an investment, right? Particularly nowadays when money is tight and the economic situation is what it is, Giving your money to ACB is an investment. We know as, as 
anybody that has given to the organization, it's an investment in opportunity, independence, in inclusion, all the things that wrap up the mission of ACB for the future of Americans who are blind and visually impaired. But also, as this convention has been able to show us, the ripple effect to the entire world for people who are blind or visually impaired. The successes we've had in so many areas with technology, which, is, which has been you know, one of the great strong suits of the American Council of the Blind, with our wonderful committees and the work that we do. People that listened in last night to the committee Jeff Bishop was leading around accessible homes and home appliances and bringing together the voices and the minds and the conversations and the work we do behind the scenes to advocate for an accessible, whatever it may be, has a ripple effect around the world. So the work that we do at the American Council of the Blind, I would like to see think from the get-go is something of value for the world of anybody in the planet that is blind or visually impaired. So while we are, you know, our numbers are, have a, a, of members have a number to them, we know that the number of people who are blind and visually impaired, in some sense, the work that we do, again, is a ripple effect and it helps all those around the world. So where are we today with American Council of the Blind in terms of our development activities? Four months ago, when I started at ACB, it was in a point where the world was completely different, obviously. We all know that. It was March 2nd, but things were beginning to change. But we still were looking and still completely planning on Phoenix and getting sponsorships ready for Phoenix, getting programs assigned for Phoenix, things that we were looking to do, or not for Phoenix, for Chicago, I'm sorry, but for, for Chicago, when we we're going to be in Schaumburg. Within 12 days, we knew that was going to be radically different. And I was only 12 days in the office before that was the last day I was in the office until very recently when we started to come back in, taking over a three-hour commute on a train from Baltimore and using mass transit with slowdowns, the struggles that we've all faced with to get into our office. We weren't sure what this convention would be. We knew that we wanted to still have a convention regardless of, of, of the, the, the situation in the globe. And there was a strong passion for folks, for the, the hundreds of people that were on that board call on March 30th, where they all laid out their, their desires and their passion. I give a huge credit to our board of directors, who you as members, as members of ACB, have elected into office to make the sound decision that, yes, we will unfortunately not be able to be in Chicago, but this convention will still move forward. And then the plane took off. We were on the runway, and it was that point that we took off. And we have been accelerating since. We didn't know where corporate sponsorship would be. We wouldn't know where individual giving would be. And all expectations and everything in the world was telling us, this is going to be a tough year. And it will be a tough year. We're not out of the water just yet. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're doing in a second toward that. But I am excited to share with you today that already we have over $258,000 in corporate giving sponsorships. And what's even greater, because we know this pandemic has hit people in their homes, your generosity has been amazing. Over $150,000 has been raised today in the various fundraising arms of this convention. $150,000, all because of you, the members and the friends and the family of the American Council of the Blind. Not even donations coming in from America, but all over the world. I won't steal the thunder as well of the various committee leaders who have really helped make this a success, but I want to point out a few. Donna Brown and her committee, and you'll hear from Donna today for the walk. And we, we, we were tripping a little when the walk kicked off before opening session technology-wise, but that walk has raised over $80,000 today. And it's open till August. You can still give till August, so we can still have a chance to hit our $90,000 mark. The raffle has raised over $21,000. So thanks to everybody that has partaken in that. The auction the other night blew away our past record of $25,000 by raising $33,335. That doesn't include as well the thousands and thousands of dollars that have come through the individual sponsorships that you hear Marjorie read each morning. That doesn't come through the additional 
ways that people have given through other ways to this convention, to the fact to know that a, an organization that is of the blind, that is built in the spirit, that we come together, all of us come together, that people wanted to come together for this year's convention. And you all have not only come together in numbers, but you have come together with your wallets. And so as the development director, I want to say going into this convention, we are excited by how successful we have been today because it wouldn't be possible without you. Now, where are we in terms of the larger picture coming out of convention? Because we only have two days. Can you believe it's only two days left for convention? It's incredible. There's going to be a lot of work ahead of us still because many of our revenue sources are still constrained. Because of the economic downturn, our investments have have taken a fall. But thanks to the conservative nature of the board in, in, in setting up these investments, we have weathered far better. And you'll hear from David about this in a little while. And I won't steal his thunder as well. But we've weathered far better than we than others have in the nonprofit world. We're very fortunate for that, for the for the smart stewardship of our board. Because I know you as donors want to make sure that your money is being taken care of properly. And we were very fortunate that it has in that sense. And we have weathered much better than many nonprofits. So the investments you have made are much stronger compared to where many parts of the economy have fallen. Now, in terms of grants, we have been extremely fortunate to listen because fundraising is about relationships. It's about communications. Folks know me as a director of advocacy and the work that I've done in broadcasting and radio before. This is really nothing more than than communications. The only difference is there's an ask at the end. That's what the director of development does. But it's still about building relationships. And a key part of those relationships is listening. And I want you to know that the American Council of the Blind Office and our staff and our team are listening to you. We responded to the desire of folks feeling isolated, and we started our communities. Thanks to Cindy Hollis, we have had a huge success in our community front. And that has strengthened our relationship with so many members that on the national level, connecting people and bringing people together, because that's what we do as an organization that's a membership organization. We bring people together. Thanks to the work that Cindy and her, her posse have made. I can't remember what the acronym is, Cindy, but you said it the other day, and it's a great, it's a great acronym in the sense of just, you know, people that are committed, right? And bringing people together. So hats off for the community because that's bringing in new people, which is bringing in people that are willing to have some extra expenses to give. And so for all those that have brought to the organization financially by coming together more recently in these communities, I want to say thank you. On the advocacy front, the work that Clark and Claire, and you're going to hear from them tonight, be sure to check in tonight for that legislative boot camp that's coming on at 7.30 Eastern U.S. time tonight with Clark and Claire because their work has been extraordinary right now. We are leading the way in the country and really fighting for accessibility in the voting space. We are engaging in many conversations. We had a great, when working in partnership with our Blind Pride BPI affiliate, BPI Blind Pride International, we've been able to enter into the conversations around intersectionality at a time when it is, it is needed. It is time to start having these conversations about diversity and for us to look inside and for us to also listen from the outside. But as a result, it has been able to allow us to see where our priorities are in a sense of an advocacy, in a sense of the work that we're doing and the areas we know that we need to charge forward on in terms of trying to make the world a more inclusive place for people who are blind. And we are finding at the same time that there is a lot of support in that. While many foundations have have been concerned over their own investments and having to give back uh, is more challenging this year, there is a lot of money and a lot of opportunity out there that is that is coming in the sense of opportunities for many nonprofits like our own to really look into. So myself and Joe Lynn, who manages our grants, we are looking into those areas specifically around how we have done a job in responding to COVID-19. The work that Clark's been doing with the Procter & Gamble project that we heard about on opening session that Eric shared to provide immediate response for people where they are in their needs, 
but also to be part of the larger response of isolation, the larger response of community, and, and the larger response that even though we feel isolated now, we, we need, we must live together as a community, regardless of what we look like or what we believe. So that work, in a sense, helps our value. That helps us in going out and selling the foundations. So with the work of Joe Lynn, we have been working over the past three months to really make sure that we are much stronger in our grants pipeline and very hyper-focused and targeted. Yes, there's areas like technology we're going to be looking at and areas that are the classic brand of ACB. But we're also going to be looking at ways that we can approach foundations and talk about ways that we are part of this, this recovery effort to get our country more inclusive and to get us over the hump of a world that is more isolated. Now, in terms of our corporate relationships, those oftentimes are our strong relationships. We're so fortunate to hear with our, like our Diamond and Emerald sponsors. You know, Tom said it great this morning that he looks forward to hearing what we have to say. Our relationships with our corporate partners are strong and they continue to be strong. We saw that by their turnout this year. And so I want to say thank you to anybody working with our corporate partnerships today. I want to say thank you to you today because the work that you're doing is outstanding. And the fact that you're willing to listen to consumers and to have us at the table and not to be able to do a sponsorship for the sake of a sponsorship, but for a sake of, of understanding that you are as well investing in a relationship. Investing in a relationship of an organization that you know is a solid voice that can speak clearly about the issues and that are concerned and to work with you to find solutions so that we can walk together in this new relationship or some long-time existing relationships towards a world that is much more independent and inclusive for people who are blind. So thank you to our corporate sponsors. I, as Director of Development, I'm looking forward to working with you to find out how we can strengthen even more these relationships and develop more partnerships as we move forward into 2021. Now, in terms of other ways that people can give, because when I came in, I came in on the idea, and David mentioned it. We have a Director of Development, he said, that because we know it needs to be full-time. ACB is very much committed on the communications front to significantly expanding our broad reach. There's over 4 million Americans who are blind or have significant vision loss, according to the U.S. American Community Survey by the Census Bureau. Over 4 million Americans. Think of what we could do if we could find a way to engage and, 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 and just a touch point with those 4 million Americans. So we, under that, and with that understanding, have really worked hard to, underdo, uh, to undergo a very much solid and well-needed strategic, uh, strategic communications audit. We're excited to be working with a contractor right now uh, named Kate. And she's working on putting together a, a, a sense of set of deliverables that's really going to help us hone in our value and our communications work. Because it's critical that going into 2021, we do a large push. And this is where we're going towards into where our focus is for the future. A large push into 2021 into significantly growing our footprint of not just members. It's not just about the members of the organization, but it's about our family. It's about people who will walk along with us. They may be different than us. They may be sighted. They may be in the other parts of the intersections of diversity and other disabilities or other organizations or other ethnic groups that are represented around our country and around the world. But we want them to walk with us and we want them to be a part because we know when they hear our value as an organization, the value that we're looking to, to, to craft out in our, our communications audit and to be able to identify those values that, that resonate in the hearts of not just the 4 million Americans who are blind, but all Americans we know in a sense that people will begin to be willing to give. We've already seen it with our ACB community and the work that Cindy Hollis is working on. We've already seen it in advocacy with people seeing the work we're doing in voting rights and they're making donations directly tied to that. And they spell that out and they say, thank you. So to all those people and all the people in the future, I say, thank you as your director of development. It is an honor and probably one of the greatest jobs in the world to get to go out there and brag about the amazing work that this organization does towards 
making the world independent for people who are blind and visually impaired. Because we know as people who are blind and visually impaired that there are days that it is a struggle. There are days that it is isolating. But you know what? The whole world feels isolated now. And as the American Council of the Blind, we were ready to stand up and we were ready to say, you know, we know what that feels like. Come walk with us. If you can give, that's great. But come walk with us. Our stories are key in this. I'm excited to talk about, and Kelly's going to mention this tomorrow. And thanks to our intern, Anthony Corona, who many folks know from ACB Radio. But we are gathering those stories now. We are starting an acbvoices.org that should go live any day now. And what acbvoices.org is, is it is a place for our stories. It'll have a lot of things from the convention we'll be putting up there. We're finding it also a helpful blog and place to put up a lot of this convention information that's being linked to our YouTube page and our other social media that's being posted as we speak. So be sure to make sure you subscribe to our YouTube, subscribe to our other places. But I want to make sure that folks know that we are your voice. And we now have an instrument where we can capture your voice and make sure your voice is heard. Because it's your stories that's the greatest value of this organization. So I'm excited as we move into the end of the year, we're going to do a major campaign this year. And it's not about necessarily who's got the biggest wallet to open up and give to us. But it's about how many people can we touch and how many people can we share our voice with? Because I guarantee you, we've already learned about it already in the past four months. People are listening and they're willing to give. So our focus as a development strategy is, one, grow our corporate partner relationships. Two, completely hone in on our grants. And three, last but not least, completely expand our footprint of people that we can engage with, knowing that those that find value want to invest. So I encourage you, if you want to invest in something that you know is of great value for our world, you know who to reach. In fact, someone's calling me right now, I think. Note to self, always mute yourself before you go live on camera. So I'm going to be bidding farewell right now, but I want to leave you in a sense, and maybe someone had some questions we can answer very quickly. But I want you to know that as your director of development, I'm here for you, right? And so if you have any questions, anything you want to do, feel free to reach me. If you have any ideas, any stories, anything, email astevens at acb.org. But I'm not the only individual. I want to thank as well the work that Kelly and Anthony do in terms of the communications. I also want to thank Joe Lynn, who's working so hard behind the scenes to make this convention a success, helping work the green room right now. But what folks don't know too is Joe Lynn is also a rock for me in terms of helping with the grants and helping, helping take so much off my plate so that we can focus on the foundation side. So thank you, Joe Lynn. So David, I'm going to turn it back to you now, but folks know how we can be reached. Thank you as well to the RDC committee and everybody else that works in this space. And you'll get a chance to hear from some of them later. But back to you, David. Thank you, Tony. Great information. Just, just really great. Jenny, do we have any questions for Tony? Yes, Dave, yes, Tony, we do have a couple questions for you. Uh, Beth Tarantino asked about sources for fundraising, such as GoFundMe and Facebook. Have you um, investigated? Well, you mentioned that. <laughs> David and I, are, who are chatting right now, we were actually talking about it the other day. David brought it up. You know, there's incredible opportunity out there in crowdsourcing. And you're going to notice a big change this year in our fundraising and going online for the first time. This convention was just a little dip of a toe in the water. But we've been extremely fortunate for those that have given after some of the email campaigns we've done and some of the other touch points we've made. But yeah, social media engagement and crowdsourcing fundraising like GoFundMe is, is critical for that. So we are very targeted in Facebook and YouTube. We encourage all of you to subscribe because we're not going to be asking so much. But, but you have friends and friends have friends. And that's, that's the new world of fundraising. So great question. And yes, we are looking into that area specifically. And believe me, Lynn and I, and, and everyone, we are chomping at the bit once the convention's over. And then I had one other question. 
speaking of Anthony Corona, uh, from Anthony, and he wants to know what opportunities to development and envelopment do you see coming up for um, extending uh, diversity in ACB and with other partners of ACB? Folks that know me for a long time and have heard my story know, you know, I mean, I, I have a rich background in a sense of um, being just, a, just an Irish Catholic, right? So, uh, and, but at the same time, I'd lived overseas for a while and was touched very personally, folks know, by the death of my father in a foreign country um, at the hands of sort of uh, political upheaval. Uh, so I take diversity very seriously and inclusion and intersectionality very seriously because it has touched me personally in ways that, that the reason why I work in social justice and public interest now is for that very reason. But I'll say this in terms, you know, and this is what gives me confidence in being part of the leadership team at ACB. We have been listening and, and it's been very challenging these past few months with the George Floyd and, and the Black Lives Matter movement in, in terms of, of a reckoning as a nation and as a people. But I will say this to all of our members that as a leadership team, we are listening as a board, we are listening. And there are ways, particularly because it's unique in blindness, that along the way, even long before this, the focus on Hispanic Americans and African Americans has been critical in trying to identify ways that we can raise funds and get more engagement with those communities in the diabetic community alone. And Chris Gray knows I've had conversations with him in the past with Diabetics in Action. And how can we find more ways to reach these populations, knowing that the numbers, Anthony, within those populations will touch these, these populations and my hope is by touching them, we can have them walk with us and begin to get more and more diversity, in a sense, uh, brought up from our leadership. Because there are many structural barriers that stand in the way, we know, of, of many of these populations in all nonprofits, in all boards, uh, because of the various systemic barriers that stand in the way sometimes of the luxury that people can give in volunteering. Because that is a luxury. But how can we get people engaged? And we're very focused in our grants area specifically, and how can we target populations that are particularly at risk in communities of color where blindness is at a much higher rate. So we're keyed into that, Anthony. So don't, you know, don't think that we're not thinking about it because we very much are. And I've got one more, if I may, if we've got time, Mr. Timekeeper. Uh, Greg wants to... Just all right, then I'll I'm be brief, start. brilliant, and, and be gone. All right. How to connect with all the different fundraising that we have throughout the year. Is there a place that he should go for looking for that? And is there a minimum amount of giving? Of course, no amount is too small. You give what you can give. And even if it's your time, your volunteer hours, that is a value in of itself because we count that in our annual financial audit as well, the volunteer hours. So you give what you can give. But yeah, the acbvoices.org is going to be a communications portal. And believe me, development is relationship building and relationship building is communication. So, you know, be checking out acbvoices.org once that, once that builds and it's going to be a developing organic website in of itself. But we're excited that it's out there and Kelly's going to share more about that tomorrow with the communications works. I don't want to steal her thunder, but yeah. It's coming. All right. Great. Tony, we appreciate you so much. And I, I wish you and I had another 30 minutes. There's stuff running through my head that I would like to get out. And I know you would too. But unfortunately, we do have to move on. And uh, you and I will have these conversations and figure out how we can get it out. But it's great working with you. And it's an exciting time to work with you. Thank Always you so much. Always love it as well, David. Thank you. All right. You know, ACB does so much. Um, you, you always hear me as treasurer, you think more of money. Uh, and money is in the forefront of my mind all the time. Funding for ACB is of the utmost importance for me because it allows ACB to do the things it does. Now, one of the great things that we do in ACB is we provide young people 
who are just starting out help with achieving their dreams. And we do that through a lot of different scholarships. And I'd be remiss at this point if I didn't go back and talk about a group that's near and dear to my heart that I belong to. It's the only group that specifically targets visually impaired and low vision people in ACB, and that's CCLVI. And I want to give a special sh- uh, shout out to Fred Schroeder, who uh, uh, Skyver, who gives us, you know, nine thousand dollars in scholarships annually, and it, it's just a great thing. But there's just so much other work that CCLVI does. If you heard the presentations earlier in the convention, you know about a lot of it. But get to know CCLVI if you're low vision, because we are the voice of low vision in ACB, and we. Certainly want to have your feedback into what we're doing. Thank you so much. Now let's move on to helping some more of these young people start their dreams, start their career, and to give them the opportunity at this time, we will now have some more scholarship presentations. Hello, everyone. My name is Don Coors. I'm on the Social Work, Rehabilitation, and Teacher Subcommittee of the Scholarship Committee. And today we have with us Isaac Hyman, who's from the state of Washington, attending Western Washington University. Isaac, I have a couple questions to ask you and interested in your comments. Where will you be attending school in the fall and what is your primary field of study? Yeah, thank you, Don. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to continue my working on my bachelor's in science degree at Western Washington University fall. And I'm currently um, the, I recently got accepted into the behavioral neuroscience major at the school. So I'll really be getting into the material of that major in the fall. Why at this time have you chosen this field of study and what in your past led you to this decision? Yeah, so I I got into this major because I am pre-med and I think that going into medicine with a strong foundation in neuroscience and how the brain works will really help me become a well-rounded physician in the future and it's some of the I've encountered some health challenges in my life and that's what has led me to want to pursue um medicine as this driving force. Okay. And the last question I have for you this afternoon or today is, what would you consider your most major accomplishment in life? Yeah, I think my most major accomplishment comes from one of the biggest challenges that I've had to face, which was sophomore year of high school. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Coming out of that came with this passion to want to pursue medicine that has, um, I've developed a lot of resiliency from that. And my biggest accomplishment, I think, is being able to overcome that and also my eye condition since I was born today. Um, having a great time academically, enjoying enjoying myself and uh, being a, a fun, successful path. All right. Well, congratulations on winning the Rudolph and Charles Dillman Scholarship to assist you in your finances this coming year. Thank you so much. I'm I it's beyond words how grateful I am to receive this award. Um thank you. Thank you everyone at the ACB for your incredible generosity in supporting students like me to fill our 
educational dream. Hi, this is Mike Gravitt. Uh, I'm on the Engineering Science and Technology Subcommittee for the ACB Scholarship Committee. I'm here with uh, Victor Marquez uh, from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, he's the winner of the Rudolph and Charles Dillman Scholarship. I've got a few questions for you. First of all, welcome, Victor. Glad you could be here with us. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, well, first of all, tell us, where will you be attending college in the fall, and what will be your primary field of study? I will be continuing on at Western Michigan University in the Masters of Arts and Rehabilitation Therapy program. I have one more academic semester and an internship left. Okay. Well, very good. And we certainly w wish you the best of luck with that. Uh, can, can you tell us more of why you cho chose your field of study uh, and what in your past has uh, led you to, to this decision? I grew up in Canada. I lost my, well, I've been low vision most of my life, but I lost the rest of my usable vision about 10 years ago now. And I really had a hard time adjusting. The Canadian rehabilitation system just did not seem to uh, be set up for, for an adult that lost their vision later in life very well. So I had trouble adjusting and getting back into the workforce. I self-taught myself much of what I learned to start with and I found that that I really wanted to help other people with the adjustment to vision loss. So I volunteered at the CNIB in Canada for a year, and that's where the passion for teaching was instilled in me. I, I, I began to teach <clears throat> iPhone and access technology. I really loved it. I really loved making a difference in other people's lives, giving them the skills to be independent and pointing them back in the direction of employment. So that's where the passion for rehabilitation teaching began for me. I had the fortune to meet someone from Michigan in the U.S. in 2016. This happens that person lived or lives uh, very close to Kalamazoo. So that's where I moved to as well. Uh, Western Michigan has one of the, the better programs or one of the more well-recognized programs, let's put it that way, in the country for vision rehabilitation teaching. So it was just a natural fit for me to apply it was not something I thought I would be doing going back to school at the age of 44 for a graduate degree but and a second career, but this is how it's turned out, and I'm uh, absolutely loving every minute of it. That's great. There's hope for me yet, because I'm the same age. So, <laughs> uh, I know it's never, never too late to change gears. That's good. So Sure. Um, so what would you consider your, uh, your greatest accomplishment in life so far? My greatest accomplishment for myself is what I'm doing right now. It's the belief in myself that I could completely change what I had done in the past or, you know, go, to, go into a second career, uh, go back to school, do what it takes to follow my passion and dreams. It's involved moving to a different country, leaving everything I've known, going back to school, like I said, in my 40s, and not only doing that, uh, not only succeeding, but actually excelling at it. I've, I've really enjoyed every moment of going back to school that I'll enjoy teaching in my career that uh, I will have as a BRT afterwards. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Victor, we appreciate uh, you spending some, some time with us today. We all in ACB are very proud of everything that, that you've done and, and that you will do and look forward to all the interaction we can have with you in the future. So thank you very much for, uh, for your time today. Thank you. Hi, this is Mike Rabbit uh, with the Engineering Science and Technology ACB Scholarship Subcommittee. And with me today, I right now I have Robert Parsons of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Hi, Robert. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am good. Thank you for uh, for spending a few minutes with us. Uh, 
like to get to know you a little bit, so I have a few questions. Uh, you know, first of all, can you tell us uh, a little bit of where you will be attending school in the fall and what your primary field of study will be, please? Yes, of course. So I am a student at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I am a dual master's graduate student, and I'm actually in my final year of the program. Uh, the two master's programs are vision rehabilitation therapy and rehabilitation counseling. And in the fall, I will be starting the first of 200-hour internship experiences where I will sit for my state board examination, uh, state certification, national certification, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that sounds incredible. Well, congratulations on, uh, on making it in the final sprint. So that's, that's good. Final uh, sprint you, for, this, for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, can you um, tell us more about why you chose this field of study and uh, what uh, in your life has kind of led you to this decision? Of course. So I think my decision to go into these fields has to do with the evolution of how my blindness came along. Um, I was born in the Caribbean country of Haiti. And at the age of two years old, I was brought to the United States by my grandparents and raised in Brooklyn, New York. At the age of 24, when I started my undergrad uh, as a sighted person, I moved to Richmond, Virginia, and there I was the victim of a home invasion, which left me blind uh, due to a gunshot wound to the head, which caused my traumatic brain injury. It was there that I met a rehabilitation counselor who's no longer my counselor, but at the time was, and she filled a hope that I could do more than lay around in my parents' house. And... You know, I wanted more than anything to do that. I wanted to, I wanted to gain independence. So I went through training at a center and I started, you know, from the bottom and began at a community college and got my associates and moved forward. And that, even at that time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a counselor or a teacher. But I think that once I finished my bachelor's degree, I made the decision that I wanted to become a rehabilitation educator. And I wanted to become a graduate professor that can instruct practitioners for both counselors and VRTs on exactly how much of a monolith that are blind and low vision are not. Because I think that, you know, academically show a little bit more of, or the individuality of each uh, person that we come into contact with as professionals. So that's my plan. My plan is to master's, dual master's program and begin a journey towards getting my PhD. Well, you you definitely have a lot to be proud of. So that's that's an incredible story. And thank you for, for sharing that with us. Thank um, you. And, and you've already probably already touched on this for the most part, but um, just as a final question, what, what would you consider your, your greatest accomplishment in life so far? So far, I think a close race, but I think so far was was in spring of 2019, I was elected as a parliamentarian for the graduate student governing body of graduate students for Western. On that, uh, that committee, I mean, excuse me, on that board of, of elected officials, I was the only person of color and also the only person with a disability and also the only representative of our individual college within the graduate college program because prior to that, uh, no one from the College of Health and Human Services had ever served in a position on the board. So I think just having an overwhelming yes from the majority of the people in a room that sat 375 graduate students was enough of an accomplishment to make me feel like I really am doing the right thing. Wow, that's incredible. And I think just your entire story is a great accomplishment. The turnaround situation into something positive is a lot to be proud of. So thank you thank for you. Uh, for sharing your, your story with us. And we definitely are very proud of you and ACB and, and glad to uh, be a part of this today. Thank, thank you. Me. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for your time and good luck.
Thanks. Hi, this is Mike Rabbit again uh, with the ACB Engineering Science and Technology Scholarship Subcommittee. And I'm now here with uh, Dwayne Martin of Miami, Florida, uh, who is the winner of the Arnold Sandler and Rudolph Dillman Scholarship, Combined Scholarship. Thanks for being with us today, Dwayne. For you? Good, good. Well, got a few questions for you. We, we definitely want to congratulate you on your accomplishments and know you here a little bit. So if you could, first of all, tell us where will you be attending school in the fall and what will be your primary field of study? Americans, I just graduated, but I'll be attending uh, Hamilton College in Clinton, New York in the fall, and I'll be majoring in public policy and economics. That's awesome. I bet, I bet you're looking forward to that. So um, well, tell us a little bit uh, why you chose that field of study and, and what in your life so far has kind of led you to that decision. Yeah, so um, I've chose public policy and economics because the work that I've been doing thus far uh, is very hyper-specific to community organizing and um, social impact. Um, so I have an organization called Youth Education Coalition that focuses on voter turnout for local elections um, and making sure that youth have a voice in the local um, the local election, pro- well, the local politics process, uh, hyper-specific education. Um, so along with that, I've also focused on other work regarding like organizing protests and things of that sort. Um, so I feel that in order for me to become a better asset for my community, I have to develop certain skills. Um, and make sure that I combine both the ability to write policy, but also the ability to advocate and allocate funds um, and understand the economy. Um, so that's why I chose that double major. Well, that's incredible. That, that sounds like uh, a very good plan. So for sharing that with us. Uh, just one more final question for you uh, to share with everyone. Uh, what do you feel has been your greatest accomplishment in life so far? I feel that my greatest accomplishment thus far has been um, debate. So um, I founded my high school and middle school debate team. Um, and honestly, it was a space initially that, that was created for me, at least, because I, I was reading a lot of the literature and I was really interested in like telling people about that um, and like talking about that and like developing more thought about that literature. But it eventually became a space where not only do we do that, but we, we connect that theory with history and our own lived experience and build a lot of community. Um, so I would like to say that like debate was probably my first family outside of my own. And it was a space where I was able to connect with youth in my community, mentor, uh, develop liter- like understanding of literature and also expand that into the work that I do in community organizing. So I think, yes, my proudest achievement thus far, two debate programs that I, I was able to um, create and be a part of. Um, well, that's awesome. I think that is a lot to be proud of. So good for you. Well, we're an ACB. Uh, all proud of you and your accomplishments. want to congratulate you again on winning the scholarship. And uh, best of luck to you in, in your endeavors. Thank, Thank you for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Great job. It is good to have all these winners here this morning. It really makes you feel good to know that ACB can be a recognizable part of their future. At this time, right before we go on break, uh, there's something you all love, and that's door prizes. And before you get the door prizes, uh, I'm going to turn it over to our convention coordinator, Janet Bickelman. Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, RSBA, and they have a 50 50 drawing, $20 a ticket. If you've already registered for RSBA, you're automatically part of the drawing. You want to buy additional tickets for $20. 
Hang in there, just experiencing a little technical difficulty. Still see that I'm logged in to Zoom, so I'm sure we'll get it straightened out. And you're streaming, yep. We're just waiting through one of these again. It's okay. <laughs> yep. I'd put some hold music on, but by the time I get there... Yeah, it might clear momentarily. Kind of interesting that we've been able to accomplish this much this week. And mm. so kind of understandable for here and there. Yes. But thank you so much, Jason. Everyone. Oh, thank you. And background. thank you all. Yes. Let me get a little something to hold us over here. Sing for us. That's what Guillermo asked. Greetings from the American Council of the Blind. We're having to do a system reboot right now. We thank everybody for waiting. So please stand by while we're having to reboot a system right now in our Boston control room. Thanks, everybody, for standing by and hanging in there. We look forward to going back on the air momentarily. So we have a brief little break here, and folks are welcome to uh, stretch your legs. You know, it's not good to sit all day, everybody. So we will be back momentarily. Thanks so much for joining the 2020 Virtual Convention and Conference as part of the American Council of the Blind. And we have more programming coming up just in any moment now. So stay tuned. Thanks to everybody in our live studio audience. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony.
Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody listening on acbradio.org on our mainstream channel, as well as everybody in the live studio audience. This is Tony Stevens. Had a chance to talk with you all just a couple minutes ago, but also glad to be here in terms of our little intermission we're having. This was a good time in the sense that we were coming up on break. Uh, so we are doing a system reboot right now up in Boston. So bear with us just for another couple minutes. But, you know, take this time to stretch your legs. Uh, we're looking forward to having the programming coming up. And we've got Debbie Hazelton live with us right now as well. So hi there, Debbie, if you're listening. Thank you for, for you and Jason as well for manning the ACB radio side. So, but yeah, so we've got some exciting programming coming up in terms of the Resource Development Committee. And we're looking forward. They're testing the system now. I got an earpiece in now. So we're listening to Boston in live real time. And we should be back up and running in just another minute. So and stay tuned because we've got our Convention Connect show coming on from 1 to 1.30 today. And then we'll be going into the general sessions programming after that. And then be sure to come back tonight from 7.30 to 9.30 U.S. Eastern Standard Time as we'll have the legislative boot camp tonight with Clark Rockfall and Claire Stanley from the advocacy team. So you can tune in then. And also we've got uh, just all kinds of other panels and sessions and things. So we want to thank everybody for hanging in there. Thanks to our live studio audience and just checking in with Boston real quick. So they're just coordinating things to come back on air in just a moment. So but take this time to stretch your legs and this is our break time anyways. So thanks for, thanks for being a part of the morning general session. And we'll be talking back with you very shortly. So stay tuned.
We appreciate your patience. We're still waiting for everything to get up and running. And we'll be back as soon as we can. Welcome back, everybody. We are coming out right on time now, coming out of break. So we are going to be taking it back up to our Boston control room. So we're excited to bring everybody back. And we're going to be hearing Liz's presentation and, and past president Kim Charlson. Thank you for helping with all the work as we learn more about CVS. And so stand by as we take it live back to Boston. From the next per, uh, presenter, because I didn't know anything about it until I got the information. David, we're, not, we're not on the radio yet. Oh, we're not? Yeah. He told me five. Now we're on. <laughs> You're okay. on. Okay. Well, glad to be back. I thought we was back, and I've been talking to you for a good while. So sorry you missed those great comments. Um, earlier in the week, I learned about a new uh, prescription reader program, and I didn't know anything about it. But we're going to learn a lot more about it today. This is the CVS Accessible Prescription Labeling Speak It RX in-store solution and to talk to us about it is miss Liz. i'm sorry miss elizabeth liz lepo ash senior legal counselor northbrook illinois and by the way i'm from alabama so any mess up on your name is expected by my people so <laughs> thank you liz it's good to have you with us likewise it's wonderful to be here thank you so much for the introduction um, as, uh, as was mentioned, my name is Liz Ash. I am Senior Legal Counsel for CVS Health, and for the last eight years, I've spent roughly a third of my practice for CVS focusing on accessibility uh, and enhancing our offerings for patients with disabilities. Um, we at CVS Health are incredibly excited for this opportunity to announce the launch of a new feature that's built into the CVS Pharmacy mobile app called SpokenRx. You may have seen the news re release that we issued just yesterday in order to coincide with our presentation to the ACB today. Um, and we are just thrilled to have the ACB give us this platform to tell you all a little bit more about SpokenRx and what it does. SpokenRx is a new feature in the CVS Pharmacy mobile app that will read an audible recording of a patient's prescription label information. We developed this feature actually with uh, patients with visual impairments specifically in mind, and we partnered very closely with ACB leadership to design, test, and ultimately implement SpokenRx. And to that end, I want to personally recognize and thank Kim Charlson, immediate past president of the ACB, for her engagement with us and for providing us with feedback on SpokenRx as we looked for an offering that would really help our patients better understand the information communicated on their prescription labels. SpokenRx is really unique in that it's the first in-app prescription reader application to be developed by a national retail pharmacy. There are a lot of other products out there in the marketplace that leverage similar radio frequency identification or RFID technology, but SpokenRx is really unique in that it's specific to CVS. We coded it to be seamless in a process that works directly with the software that CVS stores use to dispense prescriptions. That software is proprietary to us. No one else uses it. And it helps us minimize prescription dispensing errors and ensure that we're complying with, with very stringent regulatory requirements like those that apply to controlled substances. 
it's really critically important to CVS that we streamline the dispensing process as much as possible to make sure that we're providing the safest possible experience for our patients. To that end, what SpokenRx does is to pull a feed directly from our dispensing software without having to have the pharmacist make a manual entry into a separate software system. So what does SpokenRx do and when can you see it? By the end of 2021, Nearly all, all of our nearly 10,000 brick and mortar retail stores, including those pharmacies that are located within Target stores, will be equipped to affix RFID radio frequency identification stickers to the bottom of our prescription vials or other containers that hold your prescription. The RFID sticker is what contains an audio file that your smartphone will be able to read simply by opening the CVS Pharmacy app. When the patient gets their prescription vial with the RFID sticker, They'll open the CVS Pharmacy app on their smartphone, tap the phone against the vial, and the phone will read information about the prescription. Right now, this information includes the patient's name, the medication name, dosage, and instructions for use. Additional information from the prescription label will be included when we make updates to the SpokenRx feature in the near future. Now, I've got a video demo uh, that will show you what the CVS Pharmacy app looks like and what the audio recording sounds like in its current form. I'll note that the recording can be played in English and in Spanish, and you can access the Spoken RX feature on your smartphone by using Siri or Google Assistant voice instructions. Let me tell you a little bit about what you'll see in the, in the video for those of you who can see it and what you'll hear for those who can't. Um, the first few seconds of the video are simply screenshots of what the CVS Pharmacy mobile app looks like. You'll open the app, You'll tap the pharmacy icon in the upper left-hand corner and then scroll down to the Spoken RX icon. At that point, Spoken RX will open and it will say, ready to scan. At that point, what we've done here for purposes of our demo is to take a dummy prescription bottle that has the RFID tag in it. In this case, it's a prescription for amoxicillin 500 milligram capsules for John Doe. So on the video, you'll see the text of, on the Spoken RX screen on the phone while the phone plays the audio recording. And in this demo, we'll play the recording just a few times so that you can hear it clearly, what it sounds like when, uh, when the reader uh, reads the audio file. Um, can we play the, the video demo? Ready to scan. Hold your device near your prescriptions package. To cancel tag reader, tap on cancel button or shake the device. Amoxicillin 500 milligrams capsule for John Doe. Directions for use. Take one capsule by mouth three times a day with food until finished. Scan again. Button. Double tap to scan again. Swipe left to right to read further. Amoxicillin 500 milligrams capsule for John Doe. Directions for use. Take one capsule by mouth three times a day with food until finished. NFC reader session is closed. Scan again. Button. Double tap to scan again. Swipe left to ready to scan. Hold your amoxicillin 500 milligrams capsule for John Doe. Directions for use. Take one capsule by mouth three times a day with food until finished. Scan again. Button. Double tap to scan again. Swipe left to right to read further. Go ahead, Liz. All right. Thank you all. Thank you for, for playing that audio file. It's, it's a little clunky. I think uh, we're all kind of trying to get used to these uh, these uh, 
uh, technological uh, challenges that are presenting themselves and not being able to, to present to you in person. Um, but, you know, we at CBS are so excited about this development, and we're so happy to be able to share a good news story at a time when our entire country is facing such enormous challenges, especially in the healthcare space. Um, a couple of things that I want to point out about Spoken RX before I wrap up my presentation here today. Um, Spoken RX, both the app interface and the RFID stickers, is a completely free offering to our patients. In fact, you can see the Spoken RX uh, feature right now on your CVS Pharmacy mobile app as long as you have the current version. So I'd encourage all of you to go to the App Store or to the Google App Store um, and download the most current version of the CVS Pharmacy mobile app and poke around a little bit. Um, we are, are excited to have this feature live. Um, it, within the app, you can at least see and, and you know, familiarize yourself with how to get to it. Um, even though our implementation in stores will be on a rolling basis uh, from now until the end of 2021. Right now, we've got about 25 of our brick-and-mortar retail stores across the country that are, are set up and ready to go to provide the RFID-stickered enabled vials to our patients. We've got a list of those locations on our website, and you can check it out at www.cbs. Forward slash, I'm sorry, www.cvs.com forward slash spoken RX. By the end of 2020, our goal is to increase that number from 25 to 1,500 locations, rolling chain wide to nearly 10,000 pharmacies across the country by the end of 2021. Again, the list that we'll put on our website should be up to date, and you can track whether there are particular locations in your area that are enabled to give you the RFID stickers now. If you don't have a smartphone, you're not out of luck here. We didn't forget about you. We're also developing a speaker that will read the same RFID sticker that the app does. It's taking a little bit longer to develop than the app feature, but stay tuned for future announcements on availability of that standalone speaker device. I know I'm getting close to the end of my time here, and I want to thank everyone for listening in. I'll close my presentation with an ask of all of you uh, as members of the ACB. OpenRx is very new to us. We're excited about this innovation, but we may not have gotten everything perfect right out of the gate here. But we want you to know that we're listening. So check out the CVS Pharmacy app. If SpokenRx is available in a store near you now, great. Talk to your local pharmacist and have them enroll you. And once you've played around with it a little bit, please let us know how we're doing. You can always give us feedback online. Uh, Our uh, CVS.com platform is accessible and coded uh, in compliance with the WCAG accessibility standards. Or you can call 1-800-SHOP-CVS to give us feedback. That number again is 1-800-SHOP-CVS or 1-800-746-7287. The bottom line is that the more feedback we get from people who use and benefit from SpokenRx, the better the feature we're going to be able to make over time. So I want to thank again the ACB for its, for its collaboration on this, uh, the development of SpokenRx and for the opportunity to share this very exciting announcement with all of you today. We hope to see you in one of our stores very soon. Right. Thank you, Liz. And I have a question. What is going to be the best way for us to know? Is it going to be the website when it's available in our area? Uh, that's probably the best way, David. Um, we are also actually going to provide uh, Kim and the ACB leadership with a list of stores 
Um, so you can always ask uh, within the ACB organization. We'll work out the kinks on how to disseminate that information. Um, but uh, but we our our objective is to be as transparent as possible about where this product is offered, so that we can get it in the hands of the most people possible. We want people to use this. We've invested a lot of time and resources. It's a passion project for us, um, and so we we want to have an open line of communication so that people know how to get it. Jenny, do we have any questions? I do have a couple, yes. Um, first of all, I have a comment from Margie Donovan, and I'm sorry, Margie, I couldn't get your entire comment copied, but um, she said she was very active in the process with uh, CVS, and she was so excited when she went to her pharmacist. It was one of the first to have this, and she said her pharmacist helped her, showed her how to work the um, app, and she says there's no more room for error now. And this is the best thing that's happened to her in advocacy this year. She was, was really, really pleased. And she just wanted you to know about that. Um, I had a question also about the, I guess my question is, have you made changes or upgrades to your website since March? Um, I, I don't know specifically since March. I do know that we add content all the time to our website. Um, we do make changes uh, fairly frequently uh, through our digital department, but we do have a team um, that's focused on accessible engineering for our digital content. So um, there's a pretty rigorous process that we go through in order to launch new content or look at old content to make sure that it's still compliant with the WCAG guidelines. So we do have a process in place. I apologize if there's something we missed. Um, I, I think it's very, very difficult to get um, that, uh, that coding content absolutely perfect without glitches 100% of the time. Um, so to the extent that there are any issues, we have a feedback form available online um, that you can submit if you're having any difficulties. There's also the 1-800 number that's available through our accessibility page on the CVS homepage um, that can, can also be used for additional support. Great. Jenny, Thanks. maybe one more question. Yes. Scott had a question, and he's a CVS uh, CarePass customer. And he said um, he's hoping, and it sounds like you're going to, you're working on putting, I just wanted to address Scott's question, even though you kind of did, you're working on getting this in more pharmacies because, of course, he expressed the critical need for being able to pick up a prescription at your pharmacy if it's a new prescription and have the label available. And you did say you're bringing out more and more pharmacies in the next yeah, that, that's right. The the idea of SpokenRx is that it is an in-store platform. So right now we have offerings through our mail order services across the country. Um, we've we've made a number of different uh, enhancements available over the years. Um, we wanted to do something in our brick and mortar locations, but we wanted to get it right. And taking the error out of the process to Margie's point, thank you, Margie, for your very kind comments. Um, taking the margin of error out of that process was exceptionally important to us. So we wanted to develop, to develop something that worked. We didn't want to just throw something out there and, and hope for the best. Um, we took our time. We did things in the best way possible that I, that I think we could. Um, and we're, we're continuously looking at, at feedback uh, to, to make enhancements going forward. So, yeah. The idea is that this will be an in-store offering. We will be able to do it in, in all of our uh, retail locations by the end of 2021, but we've got a big chunk on the list for 2020. So it's important to keep an eye on the list of stores that will have RFID uh, encoding uh, capabilities within the coming months. David? Yes. This is Kim Charlson, and um, I just want to take a moment to um, to personally thank Liz and the CVS team. I've been the primary point person for ACB on this work with CVS. 
and they have been very responsive. Um, I think when you have the opportunity to get the, um, the service in your area, um, it's going to be worth trying. And if you have questions, you can contact me and I will, uh, I'd be happy to work with anybody who has any questions. Reach me at kimcharlson at acb.org. David and Liz, if I may, I just got one other question from a woman who wanted to know about accessing family prescriptions. So I would assume she's talking about if you have children or someone who you're caring for who gets a prescription and using the um, app for those also. Yeah, the um, the app exists um, regardless of whose prescription it is. So as long as you have an RFID-enabled vial, anyone with a smartphone can access it through the app. So it's treated exactly like a prescription bottle. Anybody can read the, the printed label that's on the vial um, as long as they have the vial. So it's the same principle. Um, so a caregiver can access BookinRx through the app. Um, it, it's not unique to a particular patient. What we do do, though, is within the patient's profile in our system, we will create a flag uh, that the patient has requested that their vials be filled with an RFID sticker in the future. So it, 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 in theory, the patient will only have to ask once, and all of their prescriptions should be RFID enabled at that point. Um, so again, as long as someone has the smartphone app, uh, they'll be able to leverage the technology to read that RFID sticker. And Liz, I think what um, she was asking was, can that also apply if they have children and they're the mother or the father is blind and they want to monitor the prescription for their children? And I would think yeah. the answer would be absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Yeah. Well, Liz, thank you. And thanks, CBS, for helping meet a critical need of blind people. Uh, I can't express enough how critical the need is to be accurate on your prescriptions sometime. Uh, we don't have anybody around to read them for us, and this is a great opportunity. And we thank you so much for your participation in our conference and convention. I am happy to have the opportunity. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Now we're moving on to the next part in our program. I've waited 62 and a half years to introduce this next guy. Um, he is... Real close to me, does a great job. And now for your treasurer's report, I give you our treasurer, David Trott. 2019 ACB audited financial statement. ACB's 2019 financial statements were audited by Bergen KBD. And we received an unqualified opinion indicating that ACB's financial records were maintained in accordance with general accepted accounting practice. ACB's 2019 net profit was $384,500. Included in this amount was $174,000 in convention profit and ACBES's profit of $336,600. Convention revenue was $452,800. The Amarillo and Lubbock thrift stores managers did a great job of ensuring enough merchandise was coming into the stores. The merchandise was displayed so it was easy for customers to shop. And the store reached out to potential customers through social media. This resulted in a net profit of the thrift stores 
increasing about $130,000 over 2018. ACB investments policy was designed so our rate of return did not mirror the fluctuations of the stock market. ACB wanted to earn a rate of return which would provide long-term growth in our investment. Our 2019 realized investment income was $173,800. ACB received funds from the John Barbier, Nichols Magnus, Charlie Hyde, and Rhodes Schroeder Estates. There was 18 scholarships for $66,100 awarded. ACB continued to focus on integrating our business practices in 2019 so we could align our program to our vision. This will enable us to reduce the results needed. ACB incurred some expense to help with this process. I will summarize the 2019 revenue and expenses. Revenue by category. Corporate relation, $558,900. Member events and program, $321,600. Resource development, $91,100. Other convention revenue, $129,800. Scholarships, $6,000. Other income, $193,000. Unrealized gains, $422,800. ACBES thrift stores, $336,600. Resulting in revenue was $2,119,800. ACB programs expenses, ACB scholarships, $129,600. Convention, $336,200. ADP project, $93,800. ACB radio. $40,300. Telephone hotline, $34,100. Advocacy and government affairs, $229,800. Program consultant, $95,500. Membership services, $188,100. Public awareness, $246,100. Liaison with external organizations, $86,400. Management in general, 134000 Fundraising, $121,400. Our total expenses for 2019 was $1,735,300. I'm going to talk now a little bit about 2020. I know we don't normally do that at this point. We normally do our program from the year before. Uh, but with the extreme circumstances for this year, we felt it would be beneficial for you to be some, brought somewhat up to date. So uh, the conversation will begin as follows. With the spread of the coronavirus in 2020, our officers and staff worked remotely from home, and we needed to temporarily close our thrift stores. ACB and ACBES applied for and received funding from the Paycheck Protection Program. The, The purpose of these funds is to help small business keep workers employed during the economic downturn. The funds from the loans will be used to help with payroll cost, rent, utility payment. We will be applying to have the eligible portion of these loans forgiven this fall. Our thrift stores did incur some losses during the month of April while they were closed. However, reopening in early May, our business is increasing in both stores at a net profit. 
the stock market has been extremely volatile because of concerns over the coronavirus. While our investments have decreased, they have not lost their value nearly to the extent of the stock market. So we've had a very successful year so far considering all circumstances. And I want to give a special shout out and thanks to our office staff uh, and especially uh, our CFO, Nancy Becker, who's worked with me diligently and has worked diligently with uh, Tony Stevens to to get the PPI loans and just doing a great job. ACB did not suffer. If anything, we grew during this time. So as always, if you have any questions, you can email me at davidtrot at charter.net or text me at 256-375-4205. I look forward to the time that we can meet again and hope that you found this report to be informative. And as I said earlier, if you have any questions, feel free to call or write an email. And um, it's, it's, it's a challenging time, but yet it's a good time in ACB. Everything is going pretty well. So we're looking forward to the rest of the year to continue. And this is it's a convention. So if you're noise in the background, no, it's just like being there in life. You know, we have noise all the time. So don't worry about it. It's all good. Okay. Our next report comes from uh, the Reverend Michael Garrett. He's going to talk to us about our ACB. I always have to pause and say thrift stores because when I work with the Alabama Institute for Deaf and Blind, we also work with base stores. And I tend to confuse them in my mind, but these are actually thrift stores. And uh, so at this time, I'll turn it over to the Reverend Michael Garrett. Greetings, ACB family and friends. I am Michael Garrett, and I have the distinct honor and privilege to serve as chairman of the ACB Enterprises and Services uh, Unit of ACB, and uh, we normally call it ACBES. As I serve as chairman of our board, and I want to recognize those who serve with me, and they include Jeff Tom, uh, the Money Man, David Trot, Dan Spoon, George Holiday, and Kim Charlson. She's the shopping guru that that uh, helps us make sure that that women are addressed in in our marketing campaigns. But what a what what a, a heavy hitter lineup that we have uh, serving on this board—an all-star cast, I say. For those of you who may not know, uh, ACBES is a wholly owned subsidiary of ACB. It is currently structured to operate two thrift stores. Uh, they're they're held here in Texas. Uh, one in Amarillo, and our flagship operation in Lubbock. Uh, These are real retail operations, real retail thrift stores uh, engaged in the resale of gently used items, household or otherwise. Uh, We've been known to sell a a car or two. Uh, We've sold uh, uh, a vintage organ and some other rare uh, paintings and and properties over the years. So it 
products may be used, but we can sell them if they're usable. So, the, and these products are donated to us. So there's no no acquisition cost involved. But unfortunately, as as uh, Dan and David have mentioned in their presentations, we have been impacted by the coronavirus. At the end of March, both of our stores had to shut down because of state and local mandates. And during that time, as as Dan and David also have mentioned, we uh, applied for and received uh, assistance from the uh, Paycheck uh, Protection Program. So our employees were still paid, even though they were off for the month of April. We were allowed to open at the 1st of May, and we we operated uh, for that month. Uh, we took all of the precautions for the safety of our employees, our customers, and staff. For instance, uh, any merchandise that comes in, uh, we don't automatically put it on the sales floor. It has to sit for a few days to make sure that there is no uh, viral inf inflect, uh, infection uh, associated with that merchandise. Our cashiers are behind a shield so that uh, there's proper social distancing from uh, our customers. We make sure that the stores are sanitized and everything is as clean as possible in order that we can try to avoid uh, the, the coronavirus. Unfortunately, and I'll mention this here, uh, the, the virus has impacted us. One of our employees contracted it. So we currently are quarantined at our flagship store for 14 days. We should be back up and running uh, in a few days. Most of you who, who know me know that when I talk about these thrift stores, I talk a lot about our employees. These folks come in and they work very diligently and, and in most cases very loyally for not only for themselves, but for ACB. Remember the end product of what they do benefits us. It is a livelihood for them in an effort to make a better life for us. The bottom line is that, yes, we've been affected by the virus. It has impacted our, our projections. We're, our forecast for contributions to ACB has changed. Right now, we're in sort of a flux because uh, we're, we're, we're not sure uh, whether we're going to get another outbreak or not. And if you're listening to the news, you know that Texas uh, is, is sort of bursting at the seams with new cases. But we, what we do know is that when we operate, re the recent past has taught us that we can operate at a profit. And I must attribute that to the guidance of our chief financial officer, Nancy Becker, who is ably assisted by Alicia Knight. They have done a magnificent job in staying in touch with our store managers, guiding 
them and, and making sure they have what they need for a successful operation. Our goal, as, as David showed you in, in his report, that we contributed significantly to the bottom line for ACB. Our goal is to continue to contribute significantly and hopefully grow that contribution to the ACB bottom line in order that ACB can make a brighter future for people who are blind or visually impaired throughout the United States. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, Michael. And I want to add a couple of things. Michael thanked Nancy and, and her group. But I also want to thank Michael because Michael's in kind of a unique position as the chair of one of ACB's committees in that he monitors these store sales almost daily. And he's always on top. If I call Michael with any questions, he has the answers or he gets them in a hurry. Uh, monitoring of the store profits and the store sales is of the utmost importance to ACB because it is a significant contribution to our bottom line. So thank you, Michael, for the great job you do. And, of course, thank you, Nancy and staff, because without you guys, we certainly would be in a lot of trouble. And we love you and appreciate the work that you do for us. We're going to talk some more about money today because uh, this is, you know, with me being treasurer, it is kind of money day. Money's important. So at this time, we have a group of people called the RDC, and they have a lot of contributions that they make to ACB as well. So at this time, I'm going to introduce to you, and he will introduce some other people, uh, the chair for many years of the RDC committee, Mr. Dan Dillon. Dan? Y'all can hear me? Um, uh, And the RDC, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a resource development committee. We oversee many of the fundraising that uh, the American Council of Blind participates in, and uh, and that includes the auction, the walk, and the holiday auction, and uh, the ACB Braille Forum raffle, along with the MMS program. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the MMS program. Before I do, though, I, I, this has been an extremely successful year for ACB fundraising. I want to thank every single one of you out there who participated in some way in our fundraisers this year. It's been a wonderful year, and I again, I thank all of you for participating. The MMS program has done well this year, but we need to do a little better. I understand that we have 40 new people who have signed up for the monthly monetary support program, and we have 33 people that have uh, re- uh, raise their p- monthly pledge to the MMS program. This program <clears throat> is uh, a wonderful way to support uh, ACB uh, on a regular basis. Every month, ACB takes a minimum of $10 out of your bank account or off your credit card and you don't have to do a thing other than sign up, and a- ACB does all the paperwork. It's a great deal for for you as a participant in the MMS program, and the beauty of it is, first of all, is it only costs a minimum of $10, but half of that money comes back to your state affiliate or special interest affiliate, 
And this year we set a goal of, um, we call it the three, two, one promotion here. Uh, and it, when this, when we started, uh, at the, we started this promotion this year, I think we had around 258 participants. And now that I understand that's up to 296 participants. We're trying to reach a goal of 321 participants. We've got a little ways to go, guys, and we would appreciate you people signing up for the, uh, for the uh, MMS program. And, uh, Thank you if you do. And now I've, I've talked long enough, uh, but, but I, I, I would like to say that, you know, and I guess it's probably been said before, ACB provides some wonderful services and programs to our members, but it takes money to provide these services and programs. And so we do appreciate your participation in the fundraisers. Now I'd like to introduce Leslie Spoon, who chairs the, uh, auction committee and we, I'm, she's going to talk about about a very successful auction uh, we just had Tuesday evening. Thank you Dan. Hopefully everyone can hear me. So um thank you so much. Wow. What a wonderful auction we had. What what a wonderful auction we had. I'm just so humbled and pleased. It it is just so gratifying to me and I've been on a high since since uh, Tuesday. I, I'm trying to remember what night it was, but Tuesday I've been on a high. Um, it has just been so wonderful and so exciting. We raised over $33,000 for this auction. Um, Brenda Dillon was such an inspiration to me and means so much to me and taught me the ropes. And I have such a great committee, um, Jeff and Michael, Cindy, Beth and Marcia and Debbie, Zelda and Rachel. And Terry Lynn. So um, it's just been great. Thank you to the donors. Thank you to Rick Morin and Paul Luisa helped out on the night of the auction. And thank you to you, most of all. It, this could not happen without you guys and the donors and the affiliates and the companies. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This means so much to me and to ACB. So thank you for such a wonderful auction this year. Keep up the wonderful work and look forward to seeing you in Phoenix. And now I'd like to introduce my friend, Donna Brown, to talk about the walk. Up a storm at the convention, sponsored by the ACB as we're walking. Up a storm at Schomburg this year. We'll walk a mile all through the hotel. And down the hallways, through convention center rooms, just we're a walking up a storm in Schomburg this year. I've got my water bottle ready, my feet are feeling steady. We're walking up a storm today. You know that we'll be sweating, but I won't be regretting. Wouldn't have it any other way. We're a walking up a storm at the convention, sponsored by the ACB. As we're a walking up a storm in Schomburg this year. Yes, we're a walking up a storm in Schomburg this year.
Good morning or afternoon or whatever whatever time of day, ACB. Uh, thank you so much for your participation in the walk. We have reached our first goal or our convention goal, I guess, of $80,000. We're actually up to 80200 and some dollars. So um, we're well on our way to $90,000 and it's not too late to help us reach that. Uh, we're getting close to our 150 participant goal. Uh, so again, it, it's still not too late to sign up for the walk, even though the convention maybe is, is almost over. You know, we all walk places every day. So you could just consider your ACB walk any day. Um, I, too, want to thank all of you for however you have participated in this walk so far and, and maybe will continue to do. Um, I also want to say that if any of you out there wants to serve on the walk committee or has ideas of how we can change things or make the walk different or any ideas, uh, we would love your input. We would love for people to serve on the committee who are really interested. Uh, we generally meet the second Wednesday of every month. We're taking next week off though. Uh, but we could change that if that doesn't meet your schedule. That's just what we've been doing. And once again, I just want to thank everyone who helped make this walk possible. The Minneapolis office has been great. They, with a company, pretty much constructed the website. We kind of got a late start, but we're doing really well, and we're going to continue to do well. Remember, donations can come in till the end of August. <laughs> and once again, thank you, everyone, for however you participated and have participated in, in years past. All right. Any final remarks, Dan? Donna, can you can you kind of give us a? Do you have it uh, easily to, to be able to kind of share with us our teams or? Oh that, yes, that, yes, yes. We, I'd just, love to hear. We we've, we've got a, a lot of good time here for to hear about RDC. We'd love to hear the teams and how they're doing. And I just like the names. Some of them are great. Okay, well, I'm never short on words. Y'all know that. <laughs> um, so I just looked at the site. Oh, maybe 30, well, just before noon, my time. Um, we still have our, our top five teams, that Florida team. They're just awesome, as usual. Um, they're, I, I looked, didn't look at their amount, but it's well over $26,000. Uh, the Patriots, I believe, are about close to 16000 Again, I didn't really look at um, amounts. In uh, our third spot still is Tennessee. Those mall walkers are still walking their malls and raising their money. They're a little bit over $2,000. And we have those generals. And I, I loved how Eric in, in the, well, I call it pregame show, but that's whatever they're calling it. Um, when he talked about it, it was ably managed by the retired guide dog general. Um, they're solidly in fourth place. And then our e-racers from Kentucky, that's one of my favorite team names. Uh, they're still in fifth place, but I'll tell you, hot on their heels are that thundering herd from North Dakota. And then I think this is really cool. One of our committees, the describers, are well up there in seventh place. Uh, they've raised, uh, if I remember correctly, well over $1,500. It's, it's a good bit of money for that committee. And I, I think that's fabulous. Then in eighth place is those West Virginia walkers. We're, we're hanging in there. And I don't remember too much after that, but I, but I do want to say um, not only do the describers have a team this year as a committee, 
But our International Relations Committee also has a team for the first time, which I think is wonderful. So committees next year, those committees that have a budget to work with, it could help you um, if you had a walk team and, and raise some money. We have some special interest affiliates who are doing well. CCLVI is doing real well. Uh, our blind teachers is doing well. And we'll take more. Those teachers need money. You know, in education, we don't get paid much. So our association needs more money. Uh, individually, this is just truly amazing. We have our Jim Crott, who just amazes me every year. I can't even remember what where he is now. It's over twenty one thousand. It's it's more than that, I think. Uh, himself, Kim Charlson, this year has raised uh, well over I don't know around fifteen thousand dollars. Leslie Spoon's right in there. She's raised several thousand dollars. Uh, actually, I'm in individually in the top five. <laughs> um, <Hey. laughs> right. We do. We do have several first-time people, and, and those people are super important as well because they help make this walk uh, work as well. And even if you are not a person who raised a lot of money this year, that's, that's okay. Every dollar helps. Uh, maybe next year you'll be able to raise more or help people raise more in, in whatever way you can. So again, thank you to all the people, the new people. I, I love when there's new people. I, I just think it's so fabulous. And we have so many new people participating in this convention in various ways. That is great, Donna. We, we are really excited about the walk. And like she said, folks, you, you've still got another month or so to get your money in. And if you can't decide where it goes, we just never hear it in Alabama like being out of the top 10. So remember the name Sweet Home Alabama. It's a good team to donate to. I'm all for it. <laughs> well, those West Virginia walkers could, could use a little help this year. Oh, they, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Stay out of the way here. <laughs> Alabama now, wants to move up. <laughs> now, Donna, are we going to have all the team captains come down and, and, and stand in front of uh, the, the podium for a virtual pitcher? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so wherever you are, you better hurry up and get down here to the podium uh, for the team picture. Uh, but I, I, I do want to thank the team captains, too, because they, they take the time to sign up their team and encourage other people to join their team and usually are, are leaders in, in guiding their team in, in raising money. I, I also, not only, I, I love new people, but I, I love to read some of the names of, of the teams and very creative. Uh, the teachers is, is one of my favorites. The touch of class uh, is their team name. <laughs> so actually you can go on the walk website and enter if you can't remember it, just enter teachers or touch a class and make a donation to us. Well, thank you. And I understand the fi first five teams this year got some exciting prizes from well, the ACB Mini Mall, right? They did. And, and Carla will be happy because they'll be shopping at the Mini Mall. And so, of course, her team got one of the prizes, which is great. Uh, so, but I, I, again, I, I just can't thank people enough. And that Minneapolis office, they, you know, they're, they're the unsung heroes in, in so many areas of ACB. And um, they, you know, they're constantly taking people's walk donations. Maybe people can't navigate the website themselves or, or 
just don't feel comfortable doing it online. And so they're constantly signing people up for the walk and, and just doing what they do every day and just keep doing it. Fantastic. And we've got a uh, thank you so much, Donna. Thank you for all the walk team does. And David, I think it, it would be exciting to, to mention maybe two other programs that the Resource Development Committee is involved in. Uh, you know, we we didn't, they're not a, totally, well, they really are very, very involved. What am I talking about at the convention? Uh, the first is, uh, you know, our ACB Angels Tribute Program, which uh, Dan Dillon started uh, with Marjorie Beeman's help in 2014 under the, the guidance of our then development director, Tom Tobin. And just what, uh, you know, how, how amazing that program has grown to really now recognize, I believe, over 50 ACB angels. And so we had a class of 10 angels this year, uh, and including Derwood and, and, and Kathy. I mean, just, just really, really amazing folks. And, uh, you know, it, it does raise a little bit of money for the American Council of Blind, but to me, it just raises our spirit. Uh, I know you had an opportunity to do a testimonial this year, and, uh, you know, it, it just makes you feel good to honor and recognize those that have done so much for our organization. It does, and, and you know, the, the value of the money is important, but the living tribute, you know, the, the plaque wall that we have that we try to get to convention every year, uh, the website, to hear the uh, stories about our individual angels is just, I go in there sometime, I've read them all, but I go in there sometime and read over them again. It's just uplifting to know that there are people who come along and dedicated their life to the American Council of the Blind. There, there's no value in the world that you can place on the, the love and the support and the advocacy that all these folks gave to the blind in their lifetime. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful way for people to get out there and, and really get to know. A lot of people today, uh, I did John Granger's this year, for example. A lot of people would have never known about John. And John really, as far as industries for the blind workers, did more for that program probably than anybody else I can think of. And, of course, Durwood. You know, we can never talk enough about Durwood. And, of course, our own Marlene, uh, Mar- Marlena. You know, she was just uh, a wonderful colleague on the board for many, many years. And I just uh, I miss, you know, she had just a wonderful spirit about her. She was always upbeat. And it was just so much fun to serve with her on the board. So, it, you know, it's, it's just a great way to honor them. And I'm telling you, one day, if, if you just want to read something, uh, about ACB and learn a little more about ACB's past, go in there and look at some of these angel uh, tributes because it's the best way to learn a lot about our history. Of course, we have our history book, but these folks were living, breathing parts of that history, and we've honored them in this way. So you know that you might not have heard their name on a regular basis, but they were a significant part of ACB and played a significant role in a lot of blind people's lives from to come up with the contribution to make that person an angel. So I strongly encourage you to go and look at them. 
Oh, I, I agree completely, David. And, you know, that initial class with Bob Beeman, Marjorie Beeman's husband, and then, and then Brenda Dillon that, you know, of course, our ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk is named after. And by the way, that nomination to do that came from Marlena Lieberg. And so it's just funny how things come around full circle. And, and this year, the ability to put the, the testimonials on video, I think is just a huge step forward. So now when next year we have our angels wall, we won't only be able to have the braille and the large print and the wonderful plaques, but also I'm I'm hoping we're going to have the ability to, to share videos with people where they can put on a headphone and hear some of these testimonials. I, and we may go back and, and try to capture videos from our previous uh, angels. I think this is, could just be a wonderful legacy tribute for, uh, for for those that we have on the wall, and you know, Dan, it's it's uh, it's kind of a sad thing to know, but a happy thing to know that you're that they're going to live on. I'm already hearing about two angels coming up next year already, and uh, they both had a significant role in ACB. When you look at uh, the loss of, of one of my dear friends who I traveled the country with, Burl Colley, um, it was just devastating to me. Uh, and, and my love for Denise, you know, my heart goes out to her. But, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, Burl's going to be remembered forever. And uh, another dear friend, so I, I've really been touched by losses in ACB this year. Uh, Lynn Heddle, uh, you know, friends in art know Lynn. Uh, Alabama knows Lynn. But, but Lynn was always at the, uh, uh, Eric will kill me, mid-year conference. <laughs> but, uh <laughs> The D.C. It, it, leadership conference. Yeah, D.C. Know, yeah. leadership. But That's I had to right. say mid-year because Lynn attended a lot of mid-years before we came to D.C. leadership. <laughs> you got that and, right, yes. Um, you know, these are two people already that we know we will remember next year, and I'm sure there'll be more to come, unfortunately. Uh, it, the Angels program is, to me, I call it the sad, glad program. You're always sad of, of the loss, but you're always glad to see that you know, they touched someone's life and, and someone chose to honor them in this way. So I, I think it's great. It really is. And then and then the last RDC program, I think we need to spend a little time talking about, and this will bring a smile to our uh, face of our favorite friend in Louisville, Kentucky. I love the way Aaron Jones said Louisville, because that's why I say too. Now, you got If you live in the South, you got to say Louisville. And, um, and that's Carla Rushable in the ACB Mini Mall. I mean, what uh, what a wonderful convention for the Mini Mall. I want to thank Janet and, and Nancy and their team for taking that kind of uh, leap of faith and, and adding uh, a lot more items to our registration where people could uh, go ahead and purchase items from the Mini Mall way before the convention got started. And I believe at last, last count I heard from from Carla that over 300 people had purchased mini mall items uh, even before the convention started. Well, you know, the mini mall program started out as what we call the ACB store. And we, we didn't give the int- attention to it as a board. We should have uh, then an advocate come along by the name of Carla Rushable. And generally she gets what she wants because she's very persistent, but not only is she persistent, she's successful. And she's brought the mini mile to a level none of us had ever expected. And uh, I think, you know, that, that it's great. Not only the fact that it, it does as great as it does, 
but it also gets the name, the American Council of the Blind, out more into the public. She has so many uh, logoed items that it's just unreal. You you can't go to the mini mall and not find something with the ACB logo on it that you want to get. And once you get it, you become a walking billboard for ACB. So I think it's great. And she's really to be commended. She just does such an excellent job with it. And, and I love talking to her about it because you hear the enthusiasm all the time. It's, it's there and uh, it's a pet project of hers and she's brought it a long way. Oh yeah, I was just talking to Carla before the convention by uh, by Cindy's uh, community chats. You know they have many mall community chats each week, and with the promotion that took place there and the and just the energy in this year's virtual convention, I believe they had already sold six hundred six thousand dollars worth of merchandise before the convention even started uh, through those community chats and people calling and, and placing their orders. And then, of course, we had all that took place during registration. And now, of course, uh, the mini mall is still open. Uh, if I understand, you can call them at 877-969-MALL. So that's 6255. And I know we'll probably hear from uh, Carla and our uh, connection show immediately following general session. And I bet her and Patty will have some really good bargains for everybody. I think so, Dan. And then if we could, since I've got you up here, mm-hmm. I'd like for us to touch on one other thing. We touched on it in the board meeting, but everyone might not have been there. You know, uh, we've set up a great investment policy. And we've set up the legacy endowment. So we do want our membership to know that we are prepared for this pandemic in that, yes, we may be down a little bit in the market, but the way our policies are set, we're set up to make money and move, you know, move it forward. But we're also set up in such a way that we are somewhat conservative and we're just not hit as much as the general public is with their investment. Most certainly. You know, I am so proud of Kim Charlson and her administration and all the work that the Development Steering Committee did under Tom Tobin and JoLynn Bailey-Page and just the forethought to say that we needed to take the next step and establish a legacy endowment fund. You know, we, uh, D- David, I'll, I'll save your favorite line, but I know, uh, I, I know your thoughts related to our, uh, our bequest. But we felt like we really needed to take that next step towards security, financial security inside of ACB. So with uh, Mitch Pomerantz's help and Tom and Joe Lynn, yours, many others, we really worked hard to get a legacy endowment fund put in place, believe it or not, just 16 months ago, February of uh, 2019, we actually created the investment, uh, legacy investment portfolio fund. And it's already grown to over, I believe, $1.3 million, thanks to a couple of very uh, generous folks who left us uh, some nice bequests. And not only that, the board really became very intentional about staying within our financial budget, you know, making sure our expenses matched our revenue. And we have been able to grow our board reserve 
over the last several years, again, through the guidance of Kim and her administration. And we, even with this downturn, still have $1.5 million in our board reserve fund, which we call kind of our rainy day fund. And if any kind of a natural disaster happened, and my goodness, we're living through one right now with uh, COVID-19. But how good does that make you feel as the treasurer to know that even despite these downturns, turns that we've been able to be prudent, be fiscally responsible, and between all of our endowments, I think we have what four point one million with a, like I say one point five million in the board reserve, and we're in a position to weather this storm. You know, and and what's really great, I I, I always want to give a shout out to the people that do things right. Uh, the board has to authorize Nancy to pull from that reserve. And we were very optimistic, but we gave her some leeway to pull from the reserve. Uh, she's not yet pulled all that we approved. Uh, she's really managing our money wisely and um, conservatively. And then, but yet we're still providing more and more services. You know, you look at how we're spending and the work that Cindy's doing, we're involving our membership, but yet we're moving at a good pace to not cripple ACB's finances in a time that it could be easily done. Most definitely. You know, at this point in time, think about it. A lot of non-for-profits are having to cut services. They're having to deal with, uh, you know, a lack of funding. And yet here we sit. I don't think I was having this discussion with Eric Bridges, our executive director the other day. I don't believe we've ever been more productive. Our staff just hit the ground running, a very seamless transition to working virtually. Uh, Folks, I think folks put in more hours. They didn't have to worry about transportation to get to and from work. They just got up in the morning, put on their slippers and started working on ACB. And I think they were working on ACB till they had their nightcap and went to bed in the evening. And I mean, to see all we've done with the community chats and advocacy and information referral and peer support, the 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 steps we've made forward with the American Foundation for the Blind and, and how it's enriched and enhanced our scholarship program. It, it just goes on and on. And, and I think part of it is due to our ACB advisory board and how we've been to pull, able to pull everything together and get their expertise on how to improve communications and our IT infrastructure. My gosh, we just launched a new server we're now on the Azure, in the Azure cloud. I mean, this is where Fortune 50 companies live. And the American Council of the Blind has more cloud server power than, uh, you know, half the countries in the United States. And that's thanks to our partnership with Microsoft, our leadership of Eric Bridges and Jeff Bishop, and our foresight coming from our board and our advisory council. So I'm just... So proud of where we sit financially. We will weather this storm. Oh my gosh, David, with the way our community and our members and friends have come together this week with their wonderful donations and spirited involvement between the walk and the auction and the monthly monetary support program. And you got to talk a little bit about that Braille Forum. That was one of the things I wanted to have you mention because I know that's your baby. Yeah, it's great. You know, I love the Braille Forum, and this is by far the best Braille Forum raffle ever. 
And I just checked the time, and we're going to need to close out. But I want to say one more thing. We would be remiss, Dan, if we didn't recognize Eric Bridges. He not only is an excellent manager, he still has the time to go out and, and do PR and, 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 you know, advocate for ACB and bring in funding, building corporate relations. Uh, you know, he's got a, a good person now to bring on board to help him with that in Tony. But Eric has done a great job for ACB, and it, it has got to be related back to his management skills that everything is running so smoothly. He, he takes good direction from the board, and then we let him go because there's no point, in, you know, sitting on his shoulder. He does a great job. He's there for us, and I'm excited that he's on board. Uh, I knew him back when he was with NIB. You know, that's our employment agency, actually. Uh, and uh, But, uh, no, we, we're lucky to have Eric on board, and I just think we need to give a, our vote of thanks as officers of the organization for the great job he's doing. An absolutely huge shout-out. I mean, think about where we sit. I mean, just here a few weeks ago, Microsoft had an enabling summit with 6,500 key employees from around the world. And their CEO introduced the first panel, and who was on it? Eric Bridges, ACB Executive Director, to talk about accessibility and the partnership between ACB and Microsoft. He has amazing relationships with Apple. I mean, he has been a consultant uh, with, uh, with the whole uh, you know, airing of the wonderful video streaming uh, program C and ACB has played a real, and that's SEE has played a huge role in making sure that we really represent the lives of blind and visually impaired people in the right and positive ways. And, and I could go on and on where there was relationship with Google, with Uber, uh, with General Motors. I mean, he has turned this organization around and, uh, Hip, hip, hooray to Eric Bridges. That's true. Well, I'm going to hey. give a few announcements, and then we're going to ask uh, Janet to come back on and give a couple of door prizes. If we run a minute over, it's not the end of the world. I'm usually the first one out at convention. So bear you, in mind, they I've owe, you, they owe you a few minutes. Like. They owe you a few minutes. So who, who's, our, right. who's our MMS uh, winner for today? Oh, uh, let me look right here. I know we got one. Oh, yes, yes. This young man out of Mississippi. I know that because I've been I've been to Mississippi, you know. <laughs> Actually, today's winner is William Lindley. Don't oh, don't call me William. Call me Alan. And uh, he's our MMS winner for today. Uh, Barry, man, we have uh, one more drawing. Get your name in the hat, and then don't worry about it if you don't get the door prizes. Uh, we're still giving away an iPhone uh, in late August when we get all the names in because we want to be sure everybody's included. So the iPhone uh, will be given away in August, and we will notify the winner and publish the winner's name on the list. So uh, the other announcement I've got today is Hems, and I mistakenly called you another company yesterday. Um, they're giving away the Cube Rail, and you have a chance to enter in for that for $20, and all that $20 goes to the American Council of the Blind. Just one more way that our partners and fellow companies that come and exhibit are helping the American Council of the Blind, and it's great. Uh, bear in mind, now we got coming up after convention, one of the next big events, 
is our holiday auction. Let's not forget about it when it comes time. Uh, let's move forward and think about it. And we talked about MMS. You still have a chance to get your name in the hat for the Braille Forum Raffle. And that will be drawn tomorrow night at the banquet. Again, that's $500, $1,000, and a grand prize of $5,000. Uh, you affiliates, if you hadn't bought your tickets yet, we've had affiliate winners. We've had individual winners. So let's go out there and have a good time and continue to work forward to make this a raffle we can't catch up on in the future. And what's that and email address for MMS? Uh, let's see. I don't have my notes with me. You want to do that one? <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, sure. I'd be happy to. It's askacbmms at gmail.com. So that's askacbmms at gmail.com. And their phone number, George always likes me to mention the phone number, is 202-743-0755. That's 202-743-0755. And George and Gene are standing by to get your calls. So, And hey. remember, 321. That's right. And Leslie Spoon, the auction chair, wanted me to let you know that the uh, Minneapolis office is contacting over the, all the winners. We had 90 items, but we had over 70-something individuals who actually won items. And so it's taking them a while to get in touch with everybody. But if you haven't heard from them yet, either today or tomorrow, they'll be reaching out for you. Uh, getting your credit card and making sure to uh, solidify that purchase. And then next week, we'll be shipping out all those items to all the lucky winners. All right. That's great. We thank you for joining us today, but we're not going to let you go without some door prizes. Jenny, how many door prizes you got for me today? Well, how many do you want? No, um, I've got a $25 Amazon gift certificate donated from by Washington State for Doug Hansard from Jacksonville, Florida. And then I have a from Guide Dog Users of Kentucky that is going to Sri Roy. And he is from Virginia. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Um, And then I'll do one more. How about that? I've got a 1921 Morgan Silver Silver Dollars donated by Bay State. Uh, Council of the Blind. And I understand that that is a Derwood K. um, McDaniel Memorial Silver Dollar. And that is going to uh, Mark Adrian from Seattle, Washington. Oh, congratulations, Mark. I was kind of hoping my name would be called for that one. You know what? There's one more left for tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's $31 value. When you're looking through those door prizes, uh, you know, uh, list, the name Trot should be in there somewhere. Oh, I, I, I took that off. I, I was afraid of that. Yep. <laughs> All right, she, folks. She scratched that out and yeah. put. She scratched that out and put Janet. Uh, Janet yes, Nicholson. I did. I did. <laughs> no, I'm waiting for the. I, I know where she lives. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We've enjoyed it today, and we hope you have. And uh, just keep him with us today for the rest of the great programming coming up. And don't forget. Unusually, I actually thought I'd been booted off the island and found out I'd been moved to Thursday. So we are having Friday sessions this year. So come back and join Dan and Kim tomorrow as they bring you the final day of the 2020 ACB conference. Thank you.